worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And it's not a pretty picture on the sports cage. I'm ugly as it is, but I'll tell you what, I look like I got two-handed by Alex Petrangelo in the second round of the NHL playoffs, and the refs turned a blind eye. I got a Band-Aid on. I had two on Zinger coming here. We had what we like to go, we got a bleeder! Remember that from some of them, Mary? Yeah. When the guy was zipping up his fly, not to get too descriptive. Brett we got Favre, a bleeder! Brett Favre was in that movie. Yeah, that's right, and Cameron Diaz, who... Speaking of zippers. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so anyway, I uh, cut myself shaving. Used the... I, Use one of those disposable shavers, and as it turns out, I think I used it one more time than I should have. Probably a little dull, mm-hmm. but there was obviously part of the blade that wasn't, and it just nicked up my chin. So I put on a double layer of Band-Aids to come to work here, just barely made it in. thought, oh, it should be stopped bleeding by now. So then I went... Well, it's not. There's blood all over the place No, I know. Here. It's a disaster. Thanks all to, over the board? Thanks to Leah and everyone. We got a leaker here. God, that's, this that's, guy's leaking. That's what you people mean to me. I am bad through a loss of blood. I'm hemorrhaging over here, and I am still standing in there tough as always with my buddy Sean Kleisinger. The show is brought to you by Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. 936-6262, the number to text. Text me your dumbest injury. This is a, this is a dumb one. Like It's a really dumb one. <laughs> one time, one time I had a goose egg the size of a golf ball. I pulled the old Jack Tripper. If you watch old clips of Three's Company, or you watched it, you're my age bracket. Three's Company, Suzanne Summers, uh, Joyce DeWitt, uh, Norman Fell was on there, the Ropers, it was, and Jack Tripper, uh, John Ritter. And so Jack Tripper steps on a rake and it smashes him in the head. I did that once too, big goose. You want to hear mine? Yeah. My friend threw a comb at my eye when I was about eight years old mm. and I went blind in my left eye for like 24 hours. It was all Were blurry. you scared? Oh, yeah. And I also broke my collarbone playing a pickup football game yeah. at the Lakewood football I've field. had a lot of stupid ones. I one time was at my buddy Dean Schaff's house when I was a teenager, like about 17, and we were just BSing or whatever. It would have been about 1987. Yeah. Because the loony just came out. It was the first year of the loony. And we were looking at these loonies, and I'm laying on his floor, and I flipped it in the air, and we are laughing, and it went right down my throat. No. And I couldn't breathe. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I went to the hospital all in a panic. You're Dean, a goof. Dean raced me there, and the lady's laughing. What's wrong you, with this Guy. He's choking on a loony. On a loony. <laughs> yeah. So what's your dumbest injury? 936-6262. I'm going for supper with Suter after this at Memories Fine Dining. Am I going to walk in like I'm from my old neighborhood, Glen Karen? You can take the man out of Glen Karen, but you can't take the Glen Karen out of the man. By the way, by the way, I do this too. So when we're Beautiful summer. I like, I don't necessarily in this kind of weather like riding on a stationary bike or, um, walking on a treadmill. I like to walk outside and stuff. So 
I'll I'll get on. I'll listen back to Rider Radio because we have our own like uh, podcast there where you can yeah, listen back to all the broadcasts. And so I'll cr- I'll critique our broadcast and I'll walk around my old neighborhood in Glencairn where I grew up because just old memories. That's I played street football from lamppost to lamppost, depending pretending I was Joe Pawpaw to whoever Chris de France or whatever it was. So yeah, it's too yeah. bad you didn't have a better quarterback to yeah. pretend to be. Yeah, huh? back in the day, <laughs> Joe Payo Payo. Oh, anyway, you can get a hold of us. I tonight. had Kevin Mason. Yeah. <laughs> like you had somebody great. Was he number eleven? Yeah, that was which my was first ever rider. Jersey. Just kind of a weird uh, number for a quarterback. You don't see a lot of elevens. Like no. Mark Rippon was eleven. No, not many. Of them. Think of a, think of other number eleven great quarterbacks. I can't. That's it. Off the top of my head, I can't. I, uh, I can't. Either. We just stumble into something. Yeah. Oof. Nine three six sixty two sixty two. Your dumbest injuries or help us out. Some great number eleven quarterbacks was. Danny White, was he 11 from Alex the Dallas Cowboys? comes to mind. Yeah, and Dal- Danny White from the Dallas Cowboys, was he 11? Ooh, I think he was. Uh, I think he was. Would I consider him a great quarterback? I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the world of sports, and let's talk about me losing $15. Drew Bledsoe. Uh, there you go. Sorry. Playnow.com. I signed up. I bet responsibly $15 doesn't break the bank. I took the Edmonton Elks on the money line, and they lost. Like, they can't get out of their own way. What was... Co- like, last week, it was the single that goes over their head. Fortunately, the Riders win. Th- then it's Cornelius. What he, was that one? He's going, going, getting sacked, and Dustin Nielsen said it right. What's he doing? He just threw the ball right to Casatonis. He lost his marbles. Yeah. Oh, my God, what's he doing? Yeah, yeah, he did. He lost his marbles. He did. Anyway. Oh, my God, what's he doing? <laughs> but he was pretty excitable. Uh, anyway. So it was, uh, hey, I, I can't joke. I lose my mind, too. But, yeah, so they scored the touchdown, and it really stretched the game out, and Edmonton loses for the 20th straight time, equaling a professional sports record in North America with 20 straight home losses, previously held solely by the St. Louis Browns in 1953. They were so stinky that they moved to Baltimore the next year and called themselves the Orioles. <laughs> now, Remember, we had uh, J.C. Abbott on the show from Three Down Nation, who's a contributor here. Good guy. Mm. He had said he did some digging and did a report and said it right here on our airwaves that Chris Jones signed a four year, four one year deals. But Victor Quee, kudos to Victor Quee, the president of the team. He met with Dan Barnes, the great reporter, and a bunch of cameras, and he answered some uh, tough questions, and, and that got brought up. Listen to this. What does it take to win? What are we going to do? I could say that Coach has this reputation of maybe, you know, some people wrongly judge him as, as having a big ego. I'll tell you, he wants to win, and he's willing to do whatever it takes to win, and it's not his ego that's in the way on this. We've got... A young team and there's all these reasons that we could say that why we're not winning but we got to win that's it we're, we're a performance driven organization and a performance driven business and our fans in Edmonton expect wins I expect wins our coaches and our players expect wins and that's what we got to do are any of his three jobs up for grabs is he in danger of losing any of his jobs I think one of the challenges you know what maybe some people forget about our business also is that with a nine-team league, making dramatic changes in your football operations mid-season is very difficult because it's not like you can take from somebody else's organization, right? So you have to kind of balance where you are in the season and what, what kind of changes can you realistically do. I think um, 
the, the him wearing multiple hats has helped us because we're working with less money with our salary cap. Because if you remember in 2021, when we made these massive changes in the organization, we're still carrying that severance for multiple years. So we're essentially working with half a million dollars less than every other team. So that's, that's the fact of our business. How that impacts our operations, multiple levels of the quality of people and coaches and all that kind of stuff that we can that we can hire is he on a series of contracts of one-year contracts or is he actually on a four-year deal he's on a four-year deal okay so if you were to relieve him of any duties all that money for the next two seasons would go against your cap again absolutely there you go they can't get out of it right from the horse's mouth so it is a four-year deal they can, i mean they can but they're gonna have to pay through the through the through the eye of the needle for it, through the through the tooth. So, so glad we could finally put that to rest so, because it's like yeah. 50-50 the past month. People saying this, yeah. that. Anyway, here's the thing. Chris Jones, the coach, Chris Jones, the GM and the D coordinator, that's how he got the big payday. And they're paying off other mistakes. So unfortunately they're stuck with it. Now will Chris but but on the business side, I'll tell you what, man, it is hard to sell this to the fans. Very hard to sell this to the fans. I I've been around Rough Rider football. This is why I feel I like to think I've got some credibility cuz I've been watching Rough Rider football since about the earliest I can remember was 1978. That would have been Ronnie's last year. Yep. I remember all the the hubbub when he got booed on his last game here. And then I think he won his last game in Edmonton in 78. Watched it at Indian Head on my grandma's TV and he got cheered by the Edmonton fans when they had, ironically enough, 50,000 fans in the crowd. But the... the, Robbie Vanstone was there. The Edmonton Eskimos, and now the Elks, they remind me of the 78-79, especially 79-80 Rough Riders, which Ronnie was the head coach of. Hmm. They're young. They couldn't get out of their own way. Couldn't figure out the quarterback position. They actually had Tom Clements here, but he couldn't stand up, so he wanted out because didn't have time to, to to read a defense. So I can speak to this credibly. They, they were bad, and I watch a lot of bad football. Edmonton reminds me of that, and nobody here is crying for them, including me, but it, it's sad that they can't win because they're trying everything they can off the field and the league is stronger when the evil empire is back but I don't know when that's going to be he's going to have to fire somebody he's got to do something on that stuff even though he doesn't want to yeah I was watching the game yesterday like on the show yesterday we were yeah. saying that we wanted Edmonton to win well yeah. huh. it only took me to about the second quarter and then I caught myself cheering for the tie cats I just can't cheer for the dude Oaks. I will tell you though this uh I don't want to be do I don't want to be a negative Nelly I I promote the league I love the league I want this league to be around for many, many, many more years. But I'm going to tell you this right now. (laughs) This league's got some problems when it comes to quarterbacking. Like, it is bad. And, well, it's not terrible, but there are trouble spots. When four of the teams don't have a quarterback, and that's half the league, you're in trouble. And I don't know. I, I don't remember the quarterbacking, like I said to Farhan yesterday. I don't remember it being this. Like, you had people coming through the pipe. There was... Warren Moon, Matt Dunnigan, Tracy Ham. There was Matt Dunnigan, Damon Allen. Sorry, Warren Moon, Matt Dunnigan, Damon Allen. There was Matt Dunnigan, Damon Allen, Tracy Ham. Like there, there was always somebody. Calgary had the Burrs, the Dickinsons, the Garcias, the Fluties. Like there was always somebody. Dewalt Pawpaw. There was always somebody coming through. But, and I know these guys started. You know, Bo was. 
Bo was the third stringer. Durant was the third stringer. Maybe Dustin Crumb is the guy. Well, you never know. But my point is, before Dustin Crumb, there was... Well, look at Harris. Harris, Kalaros, Ray. They come from the Toronto tree, right? Mm -hmm. But they were allowed to bloom. You had somebody carrying the mail. The Riders got to find that next guy. Maybe it is Mason Nice, but they got to get on it, man. Taylor Powell in uh, Hamilton. Yeah. That dude needs to change his number ASAP. Yeah. I can't get it behind Zero that. should. No offense to Roland Milligan oh. Jr. Love you, brother. That should be banned. Zero is a stupid number. Well, it it's not be- even a number. It looks better on the defensive back. When you're trotting out a quarterback out there wearing zero, I can't support in that. In your bank account... Behind the decimal. Is that what you like to see a zero? Yeah. Nobody likes to see zeros. Unless they're like one zero 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 zero. How about Powell's first ever pass for a touchdown? I know. <laughs> Just bad. Hey, we're going to take Edmonton. a break. Speaking of Edmonton, not poor Edmonton. Because the U18 team on Commonwealth Stadium tomorrow... Brick Field at Commonwealth, I think it's, or is it Sabon? No, that's BC. It changes every it, it year. Change, that's the other thing. Here we go. Canada, or Saskatchewan against Quebec. For a fourth straight championship for Saskatchewan, maybe. Dwayne Mason from the Rams will join us. He's the head coach. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. The Don, Don Matthews used to drive to the stadium on a motorcycle. Chris Jones used to, too. And I picture this guy driving to the stadium on a motorcycle with that luscious ZZ Top beard. Dwayne Mason, uh, Regina Rams running backs coach, but the coach of the U18 team that's uh, going for a fourth straight championship. Am I right? Like, do you are you driving to Commonwealth tomorrow on a on a hoggy with your big uh, beard? Well, we're not sure yet. You never know. The organizing committee might want me to lead the, the team in there like that, but. <laughs> I'm doubtful. In my real life, I'm not a big motorcycle guy. I'm probably a little too irresponsible for that. So. Yeah, you and me both. I could barely drive a car. I went to two SGI-appointed driver's courses because of my points. I don't think anybody wants me riding a motorcycle. Hey, that was a nail-biter against Ontario. Uh, who's your kicker that just sauced that one in from 36 yards away? Yeah, he's uh, he's our starting quarterback as well, and he punts a little bit for us. And he kind of does everything. So, uh, ice cold, you know, he just... Uh, as soon as we got that last completion, we got the ball a little bit closer. We knew that we had a really good shot at it. He just marches out there and kicks the ball. No big deal. He was, he also played for us last year. and Yeah. Uh, you know, he kicked a few really big field goals for us last year as well. And in the final game last year, he'd broken his finger uh, the game before, but he still did all the kicking for us. And, uh, just a good kid, real good competitor. You know, what, what's, his, what's his name? I want his name. Sure thing. Carter Casey is from uh, Saskatoon. Really good kid. Okay, so how does this break down? Do you have a pretty even split between Saskatoon and Regina? Do we got some kids from Melville? How's this, the team's shaking down there? Yeah, that's a good question. I actually don't know the numbers. So okay. that's about how little we pay attention to the breakdown again. Uh, you know, we're just sort of trying to get the best 40. They might not necessarily be the best 40 players, but they're going to be the best 40 for the fifth. Uh, for what we're looking for and, and kids that we think can come here and contribute and stay focused and can, can be good for the long haul throughout the tournament. That's interesting, man. So that was going to be my next question. Like, you guys are going little old Saskatchewan, punching above its weight. Uh, I've had people ask me this. I'll get to that question in a second. Sorry for my scatterbrainness here. Um 
I cut myself shaving the way I'm leaking blood, so I probably am like it's it's I'm hemorrhaging, man. I, I should grow my beard like you. Yeah, that's what yeah, I should do. Save money and save injuries. Anyway, um how much is that culture and picking the right forty to win instead of maybe the best forty players led you to be on the precipice of maybe a fourth straight championship? Um, we think there's quite a bit to it. Like, you know, we just there's kind of a process that's sort of just been developed over the years that, that kind of football Saskatchewan, kind of everything about it. And, and we try and, you know, convince the kids that this is going to be a bit of an advantage for us. And uh, even just simple things like how we travel back and forth to the mess hall or, or how we get to our meeting places or, or any of those little things like that. Uh, and we just start talking about it early in the process so that the players understand it. And, you know, uh, this generation of players will do whatever you need them to do, but sometimes they need to know about it and they like asking questions and, we honestly, right at the beginning, 250 guys trying out, and we're talking about the process, how we're going to get to the mess hall, you know, what we're going to wear, and how we're going to travel as a group, and things like that. And I think if, if everything's you know on board, right in front of them, they understand that there will be an advantage to it, and like our kids just buy in, and you know, over the course of the week, uh, as the tournament progresses, you know, you see other teams just sort of fall off that, and a lot of teams are trying to duplicate a little bit of what we're doing but it, it's hard for them to be to sustain it without a real good plan Dwayne Mason here Regina Rams running backs coach but also the uh, head coach of the U18 team in the Canada Cup going for the championship tomorrow and I think it kicks off about our time seven o'clock seven yeah, our, that's correct yeah seven and we're on the air at five so we'll be able to get some scores in during the Rough Rider broadcast here on 620 CKRM uh so you can't have a play. You can't have the same guys for four years. But do you have a uh, um, a mindset that if they're good enough, you're going to roll them over for a couple of guys over, and then just keep that progression going over the years, so that you, you know, because the best the best teams are the ones that are player driven, so they know already what's going on in the locker room. Yep. No, you're exactly right about that, and we we talk about that too early on in the process about you know. Um, leaning on the players who were here last year, you know, not necessarily here, but wherever the tournament was, leaning on those players to, to find out what you're going to expect. Like, how does it work in the dorm situation? You know, uh, you're sharing a, a floor. This year we're sharing a floor with Team BC. Um, you know, just how those things work out, you know, little things. Like, we don't take the elevator. You know, we're on the third floor. You don't need to take the elevator. These are, you know, 40 of the best football athletes in, in the province. They don't need to take an elevator up three floors. Um, so we're, we're up and down the stairs. Seems like a minor thing, but of course, one of the teams this week put too many guys in the elevator, got the elevator stuck. So their players sat in there for 45 minutes. Just small things that we tell the new players to the team, lean on the veteran players uh, who've had experience at the tournament, see what it's all about. And, and you know, I, I think that really helps us. Uh, and I think actually, Michael, you and I talked about a little bit last year with the COVID situation the previous two years prior to last year, uh, there had been no tournament. So we had no carryover of players. Uh, so basically we had to take 40 new players and try and teach them, you know, an existing culture uh, that we, we've we sort of tried to cultivate. Um, you know, we didn't have that. And so the, the veterans of last year's team really, really understand how important the culture was uh, and how it helped them. So now they're, like, openly selling it. They've bought in. And, and, you know, and you're right. Once you get the players to buy in, 
and they can start policing themselves and making sure we're on time and doing all those little things, you know, it, it really makes coaching quite a bit easier. To me, that's uh, that's equally or more important than wins and losses and touchdowns. When you when you are getting the accolades and when you're getting teenagers, we're talking teenagers here, okay? Uh, they're buying in on this stuff. That is that is outstanding, and that's a great job by Football Saskatchewan and guys like you. We're up against the clock, but what can we expect in this Titanic matchup here tomorrow night? Commonwealth Stadium going for your fourth championship against Quebec. Yeah, well, Quebec's good. They got some really good players. I mean, they're big, strong, uh, fast. Uh, we played Ontario in the semifinals. Same sort of situation, you know, really a bigger team. Um, but we just try and, you know, just play as a group and believe in each other and, and just try not to make many mistakes and kind of team with less mistakes at the end. You know, it's sort of a, a you know, an old adage, but we believe in it. and We just sort of keep everybody together and, you know, rally around each other and hope the other team makes a few more mistakes. And it's exactly what happened in the Ontario game. We're hoping it'll play out the same way against Quebec. This guy here, one of my favorite guys in football in the amateur ranks anywhere, it's Dwayne Mason, head coach of the U18 Team SAS team. They're getting ready to take on uh, Quebec in the championship tomorrow. We'll be following from afar and putting your scores on the radio. Good luck, friend. Right on. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it a lot. Take care. That is Dwayne Mason. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on 620 CKRM. It's 3.32 at the Sports Ticker. Not much sports happening tonight, but Major League Baseball is back. The first day back after the All-Star break, and the Toronto Blue Jays are hosting the Arizona Diamondbacks. 5.07 p.m. opening pitch. Local baseball scene. It is uh, the All-Star break and the WCBL, and it's happening tomorrow afternoon in Okotoks at Seaman Stadium. And then the Regina Red Sox will be back on the field on Sunday afternoon in Brooks, Alberta versus the Bombers. It's one of the teams our whole country rallies around. The chase for the championship is on. Time for today's Blue Jays report on the Sports Cage. Time now for your Blue Jays report. Each Wednesday on the show, we talk to the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. It's our Around the Horn segment with Ben Wagner. This week, we talked to Wags about... The Jays coming back from the All-Star break, taking on the surprising Arizona Diamondbacks. How does he feel about the Blue Jays and their chances in the second half? I think overarching, you could look at the Blue Jays season. There have been some highs. There have been many valleys. But I think the overall wins and losses are a little disappointing by about 8 to 10 games. I think the Blue Jays have left some games on the table. Mm -hmm. They have fallen short in terms of execution on a couple of games. And by and large, that you know, and take the Tampa Bay Rays out of it. And the Tampa Bay Rays have struggled mightily over the last couple of weeks. They they had the, the skids face very stiff competition going in to the All Star break, including the Atlanta Braves. But bottom line is, when you look at it just subjectively at the Blue Jays, you have to look at were they better than what you thought? Were they not as performing as a high level as what you thought? I think offensively. Um, certainly, certainly felt sure of expectations. Pitching wise, while they survived June, they still came up a little short. That's why I would put them, you know, you know, just underperforming overall. But they're still not in a bad spot, right? Like they're still uh, very much in the mix. And that's the thing. That's the best news. When you look at how the American League wild card race has been designed and teams are involved, and while the division. I was just texting with a couple of people going into the All-Star break. I said, the division is still in play. 
certainly the division is in play. The Blue Jays have a number of games left against the Tampa Bay Rays. It'll take a while to get there. And some things need to work in their favor, but they need some help against some other teams that did not help them at all in the division. The division is certainly in play. The Blue Jays are still in a great position when it comes to the wild card if they take care of their business. And the the overarching theme within the clubhouse over the last couple of weeks is where were we uh, a month, two months ago? From a Matt Chapman, Whit Merrifield, George Springer, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, who's who's performing. Not, Bo is Bo is not only performing like an MVP. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's performing like a hit king right now. Offensively, they know where they are. We heard a little rumbles and a little frustration with the pitching side of things. Which does Alec Manoa iron that out? That helps. Does Hyunjin Ryu coming back by the end of the month help? Absolutely. But the I think the clubhouse knows this is not a complete clubhouse when it comes to, is this a World Series contender? Do we have enough assembled right now where it can be done? And I think the rotation and their frustrations from the the most boisterous was Chris Bassett first, then Kevin Gosman, and then Jose Barrios. Those three guys, I think, really move the needle when it comes to, all right, is this team complete? Can it get better? internally or externally, and I think that that really shook up things where they're going to look at how they can become better externally. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk, this is The Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Come back to the show. Michael Ball here with Sean Kleisinger, best producer in the business. Text line, powered by the Capital Auto Group. It's Kyle here. He tripped over his own two feet playing slow pitch, fractured his pelvis. I'm asking you your weirdest injuries because I cut myself shaving. I don't know if it's bleeding or not still. I got a Band-Aid on it, the third Band-Aid I've put on it. I thought it happened like at 1.30. I thought, okay, it's done. I got to work, took it off, bleeding again, gushing. I got to go to supper with suits at uh, Memories. Looking like I just got high-sticked in a beer league game. Uh, this one uh, from Carrie. Carrie, uh, Carrie Markowicz. Pinched my nipple in a paint roller, painting a spare room in my old house. It was hot, so I had my tarps off, meaning his shirt. Putting a new roller brush on the paint roller. It jammed, so I really pour the coals to it. Finally lets loose and pinches my nipple between the roller and the new brush. Drop me to my knees. No kidding. You got to be careful with your nipples, my friend. Absolutely. Got this one from James. The Elks' next four are Bombers, BC Bombers, and Ticats in Steeltown. Guaranteed, Jones starts 0-10. He'll have to. He'll have to go. Well, he may, but they'll have to buy him out at the end of the year. They're not doing anything mid-season. I think the Elks are going to find a way to win one of those. To be honest, I hope it's a bomber game. It's so they just shut one of those up. games. They're gonna they're gonna come away with like you a, know. It, it, listen, I respect the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Mike O'Shea and what they've done last three years. You cannot deny what they've done. But their fans, some of their media, and some on the team to an extent, um, they're prisoners of the moment. Now the team guys, they weren't around for the past, but definitely fans and some media. You guys did nothing for 29 years. Not two years, not 12 years, not 20 years. For 29 years. Okay? Mm-hmm. Congratulations. You have had a nice run. You're still one of the formidable foes. Maybe outside of the Argos, I'd say you're the next team that's hard to beat. But come on. 
Anyway, I uh, got this one from our friend uh, Keith Willoughby, the dean. The dean at the Edwards School of Business, but our dean. Here's what he had to say. A rider win would be huge for this season's standings, but equally significant for the culture of this franchise. Over the past 20 years, the ride, riders have toiled as basically the New York Jets, while the Stampeders have relished as the Canadian version of the Patriots. A rider victory would be slaying the dragon. There's some... There's some um, validity to that, to be quite honest with you. Um, also, he said this, and this is interesting. How bizarre have the Elks been in 2023? Yesterday, they averaged 9.9 yards per play on first down. So almost a first down on first down, and they still got clobbered by Hamilton. It just goes to show you, just a couple. Well, they just can't get plays. out of their own way. Like Cornelius is going down the field, and this is the ups and downs of trying to figure out the position. That receiver I, dropped that one. Yeah, yeah, that's what too. I mean. It was it was, be, it was a little bit behind him, but Dunbar's got to make that catch. About ten minutes earlier on the broadcast, Suits is showing him and Hamilton diving backwards, making the catch of a century, and then he can't catch that swing oh, pass. That one in like the corner when he's diving in front of him, bounced. Oh, off that the, was uh, French. The chest, yeah, yeah, French chest plate. It's great. French can make these great catches, but. How about the easy ones? You yeah. got to you got to catch the easy ones. Mind you, Ray Elgar did that too. Ray would make a spectacular guy with eight guys hanging on him, spectacular catch, and then he'd drop an easy one. So same as even Demetrius Bendross. Ben, no, he ben dropped, drops. He, no, he yeah, dropped, he dropped everything. everything. He couldn't catch a. Do bus. you think the Elks are going to be like the two thousand? Uh, I think it was the two thousand three Tiger Cats, one in seventeen. Remember that team? Ronnie Lancaster Maybe. coached them. Didn't they? Their and, only win came against the Riders. And in ninety seven, <laughs> weren't they bad too? They were like two and sixteen, I think. Yeah, you have to probably. look that up. And then Ronnie turned them around, and they went to the Grey Cup two years in a row, losing one and winning one. While the Riders weren't exactly, in 99, they weren't exactly great. Steve Sarkeesian couldn't break a pane of glass with a pass. He was now made. he's a coach yeah, in 97, Texas. In 97, the, the yeah. Tabbies were 2-16. and 16. Yeah, exactly. So they were... I know my football. They were bad, and then they were good, and then they were bad. You know who's good? And he was good against the Calgary Stampeders, and they are coming in here... Eager to shut him down. Jamal Morrow at 133 on the floor, 175 all-purpose yards, and we'll hear from him now. Are you aware you had a great game against Calgary? What worked last night? Um, the offensive line, I mean, they, they were the key to success. I mean, just being able to get off the ball and, you know, control the line of scrimmage. So, I mean, those big boys get going up front. I mean, it makes my job easy. Can you talk about the offensive line's ability to succeed in the fourth quarter? It seems like that's been their best quarter of the season. Yeah, I mean, they when you constantly, you know, just continue to wear a team down, like their D-line doesn't want to, you know, continue to do that, you know, each and every day, each and every down. So, I mean, they're just being consistent. And like, like I said earlier, they're just they're big guys. So, I mean, it's tough to, you know, to get through that, you know, being consistent. So, by the fourth quarter, teams are worn down, worn down and we can take advantage of that. Jamal, what is it about your game that even when you get hit in the backfield, you find a way to fight and get three or four yards out of it? Uh, it's just will. I mean, for me, it's just, a, you know, being able to, to, you know, always have a positive play. You know, you don't want to have a negative play. So it's just a, the, for me, it's just like the will and mindset, you know, to consistently be able to, you know, get f- positive yards and get those uh, them hidden dirty yards for the team. What do you expect different from Calgary this week with the fact that you guys beat them? And this is pretty much a playoff game at this point with the season series on the line. Uh, we expect them to go to come out, you know, very physical and, uh, and fast. I mean, that's what, that's what, you know, that's what we're expected to. And so, especially the way we finished last game, I mean, they they believe that they can come out here and uh, beat us. So our mindset has to be, you know, that the same way and be able to take advantage of that and be able to take on those, you know, the heavy, the heavy punches that they're going to bring on earlier and uh, be consistent and uh, continue to go on. Do you guys talk about the fact that you could clinch the season series against Calgary this week already in July? 
Yeah, I mean, we know how important this is. I mean, it's the West component. So, I mean, it's important for us to go out there and take advantage of this opportunity to go out there and play this game. So, we, we have, you know, discussed a little bit. We know how important it is. But at the end of the day, it's a, it's another opponent on our, in front of us. You know, we got to go 1-0 and this week. Knowing what uh, you did last time against these guys, I imagine they're preparing more for you. Do you feel like the element of surprise, though, is now gone because of that performance? I mean, there was even carries on second down that you guys were, were able to generate first down to the last game. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just assume they're just prepared, you know, to stop the run in general you know, and, and try to, you know, have, force us to win in a different way. But, I mean, I, it doesn't matter. I mean, our goal is, you know, every time we get the ball, we have to, you know, be able to get first downs and, you know, get positive yards early. And so I would assume, you know, they would be, you know, they're more prepared to stop the run. They probably have little wrinkles in to do that. But for us, it's just playing our game. You know, at the end of the day, you know, the coach going to call our plays, us just be able to execute and go out there one play at a time and, t and uh, do our job. Because it's one of those things where uh, Dick and Craig always talks about establish the run. Well, now the run's already been established from last game, so mm -hmm. going in and it almost opens up the passing game right away. Absolutely. I mean, I think the most important thing is we can establish the run. I mean, regardless of, you know, what if we're able to establish the run early, no matter what, no team can just sustain and stop the run for four quarters. So we get that early and uh, continue to, to dominate the, uh, you know, the line of scrimmage and let the O-line, you know, do their job. I mean, it's... It's tough for us to stop, especially, you know, with our play-action game and all that stuff we have. Three wins, very narrow margin. What does it say about this team that you're able to squeak them all out? Yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, we just know how to win, right? I mean, we got to find a way to win, no matter if it's ugly, pretty, whatever it is, we're, we're a gritty team. And so, I mean, I think we, we are, we are, we're such a calm team as well. And so, I mean, we anytime, you know, adversity hits, we know how to react, and uh, we do a good job of staying calm, you know, fighting through adversity. Where does that come from? Who instills that? I mean, I think it's just a, as a collective whole, as a, you know, as an offense, and we have, like I said, we have a very veteran team, and uh, we have, we've a lot of lot of football players on this team, so we've seen a lot of things, and so for us, it's kind of you know, just stay in common. I know, I mean, our OC Coach Kelly does a great job of you know, hey, one play at a time. Let's not get frustrated. Like we go on the field, we're gonna expect the score. If it doesn't, it's okay. We'll regroup and uh, you know, gonna continue to play the next play. So there's some detractors that might suggest that the Riders aren't as good as the three and one record indicates. How would you respond to that? I mean, I don't really care about that. I mean, the record says we're three and one. We find a way to win. So I mean, no matter if, like I said, if it's ugly or pretty, we find a way to win. No, that doesn't doesn't really matter at all. Who, who our opponent is, we the record speaks for itself. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that's Jamal Morrill. Just before we hear from Mario Alford, who returned a 108-yard missed field goal return for a touchdown, but it was called back and kind of a ticky-tack call against A.J. Allen. I've seen a lot worse. Um, man, by the way, speaking of returners, how about that McAllister? Did he ever burn one back against Ooh. Hamilton? He got called back, but that kid is he electric. He was looking spicy, huh? He was looking spicy, oh. as Zinger likes to say. Anyway, um, the Calgary Stampeders usually have outstanding special teams under assistant head coach and special teams coordinator Mark Killam. They've given up the most big play returns either via the punt or the kick return, five of them coming into this game. Do you know what so, that sounds like to me? End of an era. End of an era. Sounds like time to fold up the tent, boys. Sounds like it's Mario Alford time. <laughs> All right, I'm joined with uh, Mario Alford. And Mario, I guess we're kind of at the quarterway mark of the season. How would you assess uh, things? how are things going for yourself so far this year? Great, man. You know, the, um, just been keeping the guys in good field position. We don't have a few that we could have had to the, to the house, but, you know, a little penalties here and there. But we're going to. We're going to fix that up. So, um, But just as far as for myself, I feel good. You know, um, the return's been there, and we, we're just going to keep going. 
Yeah, I was going to talk about, I know like, obviously we always want, you always want touchdowns, but in terms of field position, you're very satisfied so far? Yeah, for sure. I, you know, every play, every, every play can't be a touchdown, you know, unfortunately, but I'm, I feel good about what I'm doing. Like me and Dickie talk, we know my touchdown's going to come. They'll come. We just, most important is the ball and field position right now, and everything else is going to pay off. You got a little bit more of a reputation this year. Have you noticed it from opposing teams since last year? Of course, you were the most outstanding special teams player of the year. Have you noticed teams maybe trying to kick away from you this year? Yeah, there been a lot of kick, kick, kickaways and stuff like that. Even on kick, kickoff return, they do short kicks. So have, I don't have opportunity, but not too many. So, which, you know, we'll take the field position. And, so either way, we got good field position, you know what I mean? So I just feel good about it, and um, hopefully, hopefully they'll start kicking it to me. Uh, talk about the returner room itself. I guess the room within a room that, you know, you got number 15 on, Sean Bain Jr. as well, Jamal Morrow, Frankie Hickson. Do you guys feel like, along with yourself, you got the best group of returners in the league? Yeah, for sure, hands down, man. There's, there's some, there's some, there's some uh, athletic guys, and uh, I, I can't wait to, to see where this season takes us, especially with guys like names you just mentioned. They're all explosive, explosive players, and I'm just happy to, to be able to share a room with them. Uh, Calgary this season has, a lot of, has allowed five big plays in terms of returns. You know, looking at that matchup, does that kind of get your, you know, do you lick your chops a little bit knowing that they've let a, allowed a few plays this year? Oh, yeah. We, uh, well, it, it just depends on if they kick me the ball or not. But um, I, ain't, I don't want to talk down on no team. But um, every I go into every game wanting to score no matter who it is. So I'm, I'm not going to talk down on yeah. them. I just we'll see tomorrow. <laughs> What's it like? You know, how big of a difference is when you have another guy back in terms of punt return? You know, sometimes you're by yourself, sometimes you got another man back. How big of a difference is that when you have two men back there returning a punt? Uh, it just depends on if they spraying the ball around. If if they not spraying the ball around, it ain't that much of a deal. But and it also depends on the wind condition too. But back to two two guys back there, I just feel like um, we we kind of run that formation when they keep spraying the ball all over the place so haven't had too much of that a little bit but not too much so um we still we got we got a system in play for that though when guys spray the ball around we'll just put two returning in now you're about a year here in saskatchewan how and you talked about that wind especially saskatchewan the wind goes all crazy all directions different times has there been a bit of adjustment in terms of you know returning you know handling the, you know the ball in the wind yeah it, it just depends i haven't really only time I really had bad wind is over there in Hamilton, off the off their freaking yeah. route, that lake over there. But um, the wind really ain't caused too much factor as far as handling the ball. I've been handling pretty good with the wind. Now I'm just curious, with the smoky haze, obviously today you guys are practicing indoors. Does that haze affect you at all when you're trying to pick up the ball from the sky when you're you know handling a punt? Uh, no, I haven't experienced any haze i haven't played in it or experienced it yet so i couldn't tell you that yeah. answer right now okay no that's fine in terms of offense is it the situation right now you're kind of being patient you know as long as you're healthy you're just kind of buying your time waiting for your chance to bust one big play in offense yeah i mean i get my name called in, in the offense which we do have game plans but if i get my name called that ball come to me i'm gonna bust one for sure it's fair to say it's just a matter of time just a matter of time all right well thanks a lot mario thank you that's Mario Alford with Blaine Wyland. Love to see number two take his first back this season. This is the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM.
The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, can't wait, man. By this time, we'll be about an hour away from kickoff tomorrow, if the weather holds. Now, it's so smoky outside. It's got to be below 7 in, in terms of air quality to play. I don't know. What the, I heard the air quality today was 5 to 6, pushing 7. So if it's 7, they're not going to play. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to play. I heard it's supposed to drop to around 5 by kickoff, which would be a playable game. And they'll do everything they can to play the game, even if they have to delay it. You'd have to think. Well, By the I... way, Saturday, tomorrow, also a huge day at Craven. They're making a major announcement. That's Tim McGraw night. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming for next year, who is it going to be? I don't know. Shania? Who else would be major? Like, who's a bigger... Listen, I'm on a country station zinger, but I'm not a big country guy. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I'm more a 90s country guy. So, like, who's bigger than Tim McGraw and Keith Urban? Well, like a Luke Combs. Yeah? Or a, uh, you know... Well, you're zinger nights. Brad, Brad... Brad Paisley. Yeah. Brad Paisley's How about that other up. guy, the tall guy from uh, the tall guy from America's Got Not Talent? Blake Shelton. Blake Shelton, that guy. You know, you got, you know he's been here before, though. Yeah, Blake Shelton. Yeah. Um, How about so, Garth Brooks? Garth Brooks would that be, be a big huge. one. Brooks and Don are they bigger? Yeah. Are they back touring? They broke up, and I heard they were getting back together. I know the one guy does a show on our station, or he did. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I have no idea. You're talking. I'm barking up the wrong tree. Hey, it was. Uh, Apparently, it was a 10-plus today in okay. Regina at so, some point. That's so, the highest that you can get. So but I'm looking at tomorrow. Yeah. It says it's uh, at a fi- 6. At 5. Yeah, Saturday night, it's uh, a 5. Moderate risk. Okay, so, so it so, looks like we're going to be So okay. if anything, they may just push the game back a bit. But who knows? Right now, it's a go. If the Riders win, they'll start 4-1 and one for the second straight year. Um and a win would uh, secure the season series for the first time since 2018. It's a huge game for the Rough Riders. And the Riders have been winning close games. Their three wins have come by a combined eight points, margins of 4-3-1, and one, which reverses a trend from 2022 where they went 0-3 in games decided by four points or less. And in games where they have scored under 20 points, uh, they are 0 and 2 in 2023 compared to 2 and 12 across 2021 and 2022. So the Rough Riders um, are uh, definitely yeah. on the precipice of something special here tomorrow in terms of the early season. Larry Dean comes into the week three games in a row of nine or more defensive tackles. We talked about Ooh. it, man. This guy is unbelievable. It's the most tackles in any three game span in his 28 game CFL career. Um, that has a, uh, or sorry, three game span in a CFL career, 28. So basically, that has, what given, you're... Him, that has given him 497 defensive tackles, three short of being the 41st player in CFL history to reach 500. Basically, what you're saying is this guy is like a fine wine, huh? He is a fine wine. It's, that reminds me, uh, the depth chart is out, but there's no like surprises. No. We already knew that Eric Lofton is going to be starting for council. Uh, Jeremy Clark is in. Uh, for Milligan, so Amari Henderson's going to move into yeah. Milligan's spot. Jeremy yeah. Clark's going to move where Henderson was, and pretty much everything else is the same. Anthony, Anthony Lanier's out, so uh, Christmas is dressing. Cox is going to be starting at the defensive end, and Micah and uh, 
Miles Brown will be your two defensive tackles. So this is a big, big, big opportunity for Christmas and Brown to really show what they got with no Anthony Lanier the second. I know he's playing outside, but with and and Brian Cox Jr. Time to step up because you're, you know. You're not guaranteed anything, especially on a team trying to make the playoffs. Now, the CFL defines a big play return as being any returns that go for more than 30 yards on a punt or a missed field goal and more than 40 yards on a kickoff return. The Calgary Stampeders have allowed five big play returns through four games this season. And going into last night's action, nobody in the entire league had allowed more than three. So Cal, that's a very big thing for the Calgary Stampeders. Something to watch tomorrow as we just had Mario Alford on. Coming up after four, he's going to do a special cameo because he was at the game last night and he's going to the Canada Cup Championship. He's a Rash Madani coast to coast for uh, Brian Golly and Smart Investing Solutions here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all from Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between. This is Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny. Country Thunder on the brain. It'd be like Kenny, this would be like Kenny Chesney asking, um, who's the guy that sings Dust on the Bottle? Oh, uh, David Lee Murphy to come out and sing it with him because he's done that before. This guy's making a cameo. He's usually here Tuesdays and Thursdays, but he's here on Friday for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Give our buddy Brian Golly a call, 546-2533. It's Arash Madani from Sportsnet, who is live in Edmonton to watch the MOP of the season, as he predicted. Taylor Cornelius do whatever the hell he was doing to ruin the game for the Elks. I don't know what he was doing, but whatever it was, it wasn't good on that interception to the former UBC Thunderbird, uh, Casatonis, as he went in for the touchdown and they never looked back. Hamilton beats Edmonton. They've lost 20. 20- Two zero twenty straight in Edmonton. You used to go Which there. Is the North American pro sports record, by the way. T- yeah, tying the, the most. Yeah, oh, tying the St. Louis Browns, who then were so stinky they moved to Baltimore and became the Orioles. I don't think Edmonton can move anywhere. Uh, I will tell you this though. Uh, you used to go there, Rash, and you know this. You're a little younger than me, but you're not that old. You used to go there to die as a CFL team. Like, you went there, you looked on your schedule, you're like, okay, we got to go play Moon and all those guys. We got a loss. We got a loss. And if well, you. Well, it was, it was Moon, and then it was Dunnigan, mm-hmm. and then it was Ray, mm-hmm. and then it was Riley. And now, the entire thing, Ballsy. The NCAA has a great term for this. It feels like there's a lack of institutional control. It was uh, it was sad and scary last night at halftime. Uh, sorry, uh, during the anthems, I looked around and there was nobody, nobody in the building. I don't even know what the announced crowd was for that game. Do you? They announced twenty one thousand or something. Well, may- um, may- maybe those were sold tickets or given away tickets or whatever. At what? So this, the moment, um, there was a moment there in the fourth quarter when Schultz went down, and who was his replacement? Number zero, yeah, Eastern Michigan, yeah, um, comes in, 
and bang, bang, throws a dart for a touchdown. And there was this groan in the stadium of, oh, my God, we're losing to, like, we're getting outclassed by this dude. Um, you know? It speaks. I, I saw dudes. I saw guys ballsing the crowd with with paper bags on their heads. Well, I've been around long enough to know, and this isn't a shot at my team, but I've seen the highs and the lows. They look like uh, as close to the seventy nine slash nineteen eighty coached Ron Linecaster Rough Riders as you could ever see. It, it's bad. Like it is really bad. Um, uh, and I, Victor Quee confirmed after to Dan Barnes. Now we were told earlier that it was four one-year contracts, but he said, no, 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 no. It's a four-year deal, so I don't know what the buyout would be, but they're doing nothing in terms of getting rid of him till the end of the year, but I, I'll tell you what, man. I look at the schedule. Here's what else Quee said, though. Yeah. Quee said, we're also paying $500,000 yep. to people who aren't here right now. Mm-hmm. Likely talking about Brock Sunderland and Jamie Elizondo, like, which feels like a lifetime ago, right? Yeah. And Quee's point was, how hamstrung would we be if we make a move now? What do you do? What do you do when one guy is the GM and the head coach and the defensive coordinator? Well, uh, they had to pay that to get him uh, because he wasn't coming here. Beside, you know, whether you like him or not, think he's overrated or not. They weren't getting Chris Jones uh, just to be a coach or just to be a GM. They had to do the same thing he did in Saskatchewan. He came with a pedigree, turned the riders around, and of course, he was the last time they were successful. He was the guy, forgetting that Mike Riley was the quarterback. Uh, I don't know, man. Though I, don't, he's always. You said it the last time you were on, or a couple times ago. He's loyal to his guys, but I think they can't sell this anymore. Somebody, somebody has to take the fall for this. Okay, so let's talk this through though. Let let's say what are you gonna let let's talk about the move singular. There is no singular move you can make that's going to change things. Like they're awful. Right, you get rid of Taylor Cornelius, okay, I guess fine. You get rid of Chris Jones, okay, fine. You get rid of McAdoo, okay, fine. You're you're still in the exact same position. Because at, at so many levels, you know, you're in trouble. Like Cornelius on the depth chart for, what, seven games into the season? Because he's now number three on the depth chart. He's gone starter, 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 backup, starter, starter, third string. And then the guy who got in yesterday after Cornelius threw the awful interception goes from fourth string, fourth string, third string, starter, third string, third string starter in seven weeks. And then Trey Ford goes from third string, third string to who knows where he was for a few weeks to now the backup. Let me stop you there. Let me stop you there. What's happening here? It's a disaster. So why not let Trey Ford go in and let him see what he can do? He's a Canadian. He's a good story. He didn't embarrass himself before he got hurt last year. With you. With you. But I I don't know what they're doing. They're getting rid of a University of Alberta offensive lineman here. I, I... I don't know what's going on, Balsy. Like, none of this adds up, and none of it makes sense, and they can't get out of it because of this idiotic staff cap where they're still paying the previous regime so they can't get rid of this regime. Meanwhile, the Elks are becoming more and more irrelevant in the marketplace where nobody wants to go because they can't win a game and they don't have a quarterback. Yeah, so you just... uh... Got onto something I want to touch on quickly before uh, we talk Canada Cup. 
I don't remember, and I don't want to always look negative. I kind of want to be positive and put out a good message, but you can't get around it now. We have a quarterbacking issue in the CFL. When Matthew Schiltz, sure. when Matthew Schiltz goes down, and I shudder, and I shudder, even though what is it, Taylor Powell comes in and throws a touchdown? By the way, he needs another number besides zero. No, no, zero. No, no, I like the zero. Uh, I think that's great. I don't. Anyway, um, so, so... Like I don't remember the quarterbacking being this bad. Like you had Trevor Harris and Zach Kalaros behind Ricky Ray. We talked about Dunnigan. You had Dunnigan, uh, Damon Allen, and Tracy Ham. Like you've, uh, you know, Burris. There's always been the the next wave behind some established superstar quarterbacks. We don't have that anymore. I tell you, I was talking with a CFL personnel guy yesterday. Um, in the aftermath of whatever that was at Commonwealth. And I said to him, I said, there's an argument to be made that the fifth best quarterback in the league isn't even on the field these days. That the fifth best quarterback in the league is actually the backup in BC. (laughs) Dane Evans, yeah. And there's nine starters in the league right now. Yeah. And so, so you ask yourself, cause and effect. Do you think that maybe the decision they made to suppress salaries and remove the third-string quarterback off rosters for a little while to not have development puts you in this mess? Well, whether it's broadcasting the games or or actual on-field talent, if you don't sink money into your product, nobody's going to watch, nobody's going to listen, and 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 you, you, you or or it's going to drop. So they got to find a way. They got to find a way to fix it on field. And then the broadcasting thing is another thing that I don't want to get into. It's just crazy. Okay, so Canada Cup championship Saturday Commonwealth Stadium you're on the board of directors I think it's a great story Quebec's always been a great uh, story for football in the amateur ranks and Saskatchewan is unbelievable punching above its weight again going for a fourth straight championship yeah they are and it's it's a great story and look I was pumped as a native Nova Scotian to see them knock off Manitoba I think it's great for football but it's not Ontario BC in the final again Dominic Picard, Ryder fans may remember him from the championship team that won it all at home. He's on the coaching staff of Team Quebec. Uh, yes, the the one issue here is the smoke is awful. Like it's, I walked around at A Balls. I wore a mask for the first time in a while. Like it's ten out of ten bad. So they yep. may actually have to relocate this out of Edmonton. They're working on that right now. But what a showcase for these athletes. And what an opportunity to play for an amateur national championship. It's bad here, too. Uh, we're going to be watching. It's supposed to be five, the air quality kickoff for the Ryder game. Interesting. Before I let you go, who do you got tomorrow? Two banged-up teams. Riders more banged-up than Calgary. Both have key pieces out. Calgary has to win, or they're almost done. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it would be a big upward battle to get into a playoff spot in the West, at least. Who do you have tomorrow? i got to go with the Riders because they have the better quarterback. Yeah, And, you know, I've been saying for a while, Cal- for years now, Calgary's a reputation team. Um, I know the Riders looked awful against Edmonton, et cetera, et cetera. But this is a massive game for the Riders tomorrow. Like the, the dent that they could put, the, the widening of the gap in the standings, even though it's mid-July, is still huge. Big yeah big opportunity for the riders tomorrow hey man thanks for all your work uh good job with uh, the uh amateur ranks and we'll talk to you soon bud 
Thanks, Ballsy. Yeah, thanks, man. That's uh, Rash Madani. For Smart Investing Solutions and Brian Golly from Sportsnet. When we come back, we'll hear from the guy he was talking about, Trevor Harris. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Okay, Zinger, you get the sponsorship ready because you basically know it off by the top of your uh, off your top of your heart or head or whatever or both. I don't know what the saying is. I'm bleeding here from my chin for a, from a shaming thing, and I could die. I literally could die on the air from blood loss. Lightheaded over here is a diabetic. Anyway, our clutch performer, besides the person who invented the Band-Aid, is, um, let's go with Matthew Schiltz. He scored a touchdown and uh, directed the offense fairly decently for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. You know, we're getting on the... He's our clutch performer for Nick Servicinger, and, and uh, it is... Uh, Nick Service in yeah. Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. We're getting on the... We're, we're calling them terrible and awful. They averaged 9.9 yards a play on first down. They just couldn't get out of their own way. All it takes is a couple boneheaded plays by your quarterback and a couple drops, that's all. Yeah, so Hamilton, erase all isn't those that Hamilton isn't that great. Like, I don't think Edmonton is that far away, but they seem like miles away. Mm. Anyway, that's your uh, clutch performer. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Okay, Sean, so I gotta bring this up, okay? Um, I tweeted this yesterday. And I believe it. And I'm going to point this out to show you that I am, I can admit to my mistakes, okay? All right. When you pick a team and they don't do what they're supposed to do, you reserve the right to maybe change your opinion. It's like a stock, right? It's like a stock. Kind of like you and the Padres, huh? Kind of like me and the Padres. I tweeted yesterday, Ryder fans should be very happy they have a quarterback like Trevor Harris. Given the injuries, etc., he is playing the best at his position in the entire league. He gives the Rough Riders a chip, a chair, and a chance each week. I believe that. I believe he's the best quarterback in the league in terms of his play right now. And you'll go, oh, Zach Kalaros. Zach Kalaros has a healthy offensive line. He has most of his weapons. This guy has had a revolving door in the O-line, in the backfield, and in the receiving core. Yeah. And he is So he is the best quarterback in the CFL right now, Trevor Harris. But then somebody, Stan, says, ha, this is awesome. And he brings up tweets that I brought out in August of... August 23rd, 2019. So almost, almost four years ago. I said, oh. well, that's the thing about Twitter. You can go back. Um, the most overrated quarterback in the league is Trevor Harris. I don't trust Trevor Harris in a big spot. That's what I tweeted out. That was in 2019 when I think he probably would have been with Edmonton, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um and I stand by that, but I also reserve the right to change my opinion. And I will tell you right now, I'm wrong. After watching what he's done, watching his football IQ, how much of a leader he appears to be and great off the field, I stand corrected. And I'm very happy we got Trevor Harris instead of Bo Levi Mitchell, who I was saying we should have, we should go after first. The Riders didn't go after him. I said he should. He never even gave the Riders a chance. And I'm thankful that Montreal was a grease fire and Bo picked Hamilton. Can you imagine if we took Hamilton? We'll we'll hold off on Trevor Harris because we're over time. Can you imagine if we took Bo Levi Mitchell and didn't take Trevor Harris? No, I don't want to. And Bo Levi Mitchell gets hurt, and 
I mean, Mason Fine has played before, but think about it. Uh, hey, Larry Dean, we talked about how great he is. We got great players on it. Sean Bain Jr., I love what our old lines do, are doing. Scrappy. But let's be honest. This team, like I said, he gives us a chip, a chair, and a chance each week. We are not 3-1 and one about to go 4-1 and one without Trevor Harris. He is worth every dime of the 500000 plus we paid him. We're lucky to have him. We'll probably have him. He, he thinks he can play for another couple of years. But we do need to start grooming the next guy. You have to admit, those are, I don't often agree with Farhan Lalji. And you're going to hear him coming up here on the uh, CFL report. What he had to say was right. We have a problem here in the CFL with regards to quarterback. And yeah, we, we do. do. It's huge. How could, you even, how could you even deny it? I mean, th- talking about 2019, Back when you were uh, tweeting about Trevor Harris, even back then, Trevor Harris was probably about, I don't know, fifth, sixth best yeah, quarterback in the league. Yeah, I think he was probably league, about fifth. Like yeah, fifth, probably. Uh, fast forward a couple years, he's arguably the best quarterback in the league right now. Right now. So, Some uh, guys mature. What more do you need to hear? There's obviously a problem yeah. when it comes to the quarterback position. Yeah, yeah. 37-year-old Trevor That's Harris is the second ago. best quarterback in the CFL. Yeah. And He's second best. Like I think people would take Zach Kalaros, but he is the best quarterback. I can tell you this right now. It's like what I was no, saying. I'm going to tell you this right now. Let me say this. This is my opinion. I love Zach Kalaros. I think he's a good human being. And what a success story. Okay? What a success story. But you saw for one game, the Blue Bombers, when they got run over by the BC Lions, he looked like 2018 Zach Kalaros. If Zach Kalaros wasn't Saskatchewan right now as the quarterback, he wouldn't be doing what Trevor Harris is doing. That's mm. my opinion. I think Trevor Harris, if I had to win one game <laughs> right now today, in the CFL right now, week number six, you said, Ballsy, you get the pick between Zach Kalaros and Trevor Harris, but you get the situation you got now in Saskatchewan. Tell me I'm wrong if I'm picking Trevor Harris. I am picking Trevor Harris every day of the week. And yes, I did say he was overrated back in the day, and I didn't trust him in a big spot, but I stand corrected, and I'm pleasantly surprised. Thank you very much. We'll take a break and be back with more in a moment. Pre- all right, back with your sports ticker. It's 4.30, and your sports ticker is brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. If you were to look at the depth chart, you were, or you would notice that Roland Milligan is not on there. That's because he's been in a walking boot this week, so he will not be playing tomorrow. And the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, uh, well, they have placed him on the six-game injured list today. Uh, so uh, you can expect Roland Milligan to be out in the near for the near future here. Luke Bollander said yesterday at least three to four weeks, so you can expect that yeah. for Mr. Roland Milligan. And Jeremy Clark will be in the lineup in place of uh, Roland Milligan as uh, Amari Henderson moves over to Milligan's original spot at the, uh, the near side halfback Milligan. So uh, bad news there for yeah. Mr. Milligan. The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. Let's go. Third right fake spear. Play pass. 16 counters. ZD bang. Pull back west right. Zoom. Pull back left. Pass half back at zero. Z quick screen left. On one. Right. 
Our CFL reports brought to you by Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine. Check them out in Fort Coppell in person or online at kevinsmarine.com. Well, Farhan Lalji joined us on the show yesterday from TSN. He and Dave Naylor at TSN tossed around the topic of the quarterbacking problem in the Canadian Football League. Ballsy, big time crisis. Um, I go back to 2017 and going into that year, I, I went through all the rosters and every team probably felt good about at least two of the quarterbacks in their building. Mm-hmm. And that is not the case now. We don't have nine good ones, let alone 18. And we're in a situation where, like, you know, how does Bo Levi Mitchell lose a starting job and get a raise? What industry can we do that in? It's <laughs> mm-hmm. a good point. Right? A good How point. does Trevor Harris go into the 2022 season as a backup and in 2023 make over 500000 How does Dane Evans actually increase value by not playing in 2023? Like, Dane could sit his ass on the bench for an entire season and not play a meaningful snap, and he will have more value next year. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders don't have a quarterback in their building that they think is their future. Their plan for 2024 is to have Trevor Harris play at 38 and maybe have Trevor Harris play at 39 and 40. That's the plan. And that's what we're having in this league. You tell me who that next one is going to be. We thought it was going to be Jake Mayer. Maybe not, right? Like, you know, you look around this league and that guy is not there. One of the biggest problems, and we, we went through a bunch of reasons as to why this is happening, I hate the third quarterback. The fact is, right now, Ballsy, in this league, because they can't field three good ones, they're taking the third one, and it's actually become its own position. Short yardage quarterback. When you and I were younger, this, the guy that came in to run sneaks was the second stringer at worst, if not the starter. But now, they don't want to develop a guy in the three-hole. They want a separate guy altogether that can just manage the short yardage. Like, BC's got Dom Davis. He's 33, right? Like, he's not their future. And if we've got a third guy on the in the building, they need to have a developmental process for that guy. And believe me when I tell you, you go back to Kananaskis for the meetings this offseason, the league knows this is a serious, serious situation. And they're going to come up with all sorts of ideas. You know, the problem is football ops don't want to be told what to do. And the league doesn't want to spend money. And the PA, if it involves money, wants to be involved. So you've got everybody with their own agendas. And it makes it hard to solve this problem. But believe me, it is a crisis. Powerful words from Farhan Lalji, one of our uh, best hits in a while. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Take care, buddy. And I'm picking the riders to beat the Stamps this week. I think so, too. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. With a first no hitter in Padre history, April 9, 2021, at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. The kid comes home and he gets it done. Friday show brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. All our great guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. I think one of the top radio voices in baseball, Jesse Agler from the San Diego Padres Radio Network, joins us. Thanks for your time, my friend. You got it, Michael. Good to speak with you. Yeah, hey, so the San Diego Padres, everybody that listens to this show, they know this is my team, has been that way since 1984 when I watched the World Series with Tony Gwynn and the Padres against the Tigers. Um, This team was expected to do much more than they're doing right now, but Jesse, I feel like maybe they could be turning the corner. I guess we'll find out tonight in Philadelphia, but on their last homestand, they had a nice stretch there. 
Yeah, they went they went five and one against the Angels and the Mets, and you know I think there were a lot of things said and written about that series last weekend against New York because both teams were high payroll teams that were underperforming expectations. Uh, they both came in playing some of their best baseball of the year. I think when the Mets won on Friday, it was their sixth consecutive victory. Uh, the Padres had just swept the Angels. And then the Padres took the final two games against the Mets to head into the All-Star break on a, on a very high note, uh, going 5-1 and one on that last homestand. So they're, they're definitely playing better baseball. I, I would argue that even began the previous week in Cincinnati, even though they lost two out of three to the Reds. They were just playing better than they had at any point this season. They turned that better play into some victories last week. Then you go into the all-star break, and so the momentum kind of comes to a screeching halt. And as you said, you know, they're starting a trip here in Philadelphia. It's a long trip. We're playing a doubleheader tomorrow in Philly, uh, another game on Sunday. Then we go to Toronto to play the Jays uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Then we go over to Detroit uh, to play the Tigers in that 1984 World Series rematch. So, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a heck of a stretch here to begin the second half for the Padres. And, uh, yeah, you're probably going to learn some things about this team in the next 10 days or so. So will we know at the end of this stretch or during this stretch whether these guys are buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? I mean, that's definitely the the billion-dollar question right now with the deadline on August 1st. You know, are they going to not dismantle it, but there are, are they going to move some pieces that have trade value in order to recoup some things that perhaps will help them next year and the year after and so on? Uh, or are they going to say, you know what, we think we're good enough to win the whole thing this year if we can add a piece here and there? Or maybe, honestly, it could be a combination of the two. I don't know that they necessarily fall into a black or white buy or sell category at the trade deadline this year. Um, that might be a little bit overly simplistic for a team that has been nothing but complicated all season long. It's a good way to put it, complicated, Jesse. The uh, great voice of the Padres, Jesse Agler, joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. It's weird, right? Like, it's the pitching's been good. The defense has been good. It's been a spotty bullpen play at times and can't get people home. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. And And again, that's been a little bit better, I'd probably say, the last month or so. But, you know, the, the first couple months of the season, they were hitting below 200 with runners in scoring position. And I think everybody was kind of looking around like, all right, what the heck is going on? You know, that doesn't make any sense. That can't be something uh, that, that is, is reasonable with the group of guys that they had in the lineup. But I, I think they were just slumping as a team, uh, generally speaking, for the first couple of months. And when you slump, you're probably going to slump with guys in scoring position. And then all of a sudden it becomes a thing, right? Because you're thinking to yourself while you're up at the plate, all right, I got to do something because nobody else is. And now you're pressing a little bit, probably trying a little bit too hard. And I think we saw a lot of that up and down the lineup there for a while. Again, that's gotten better. All the offensive numbers have come up a bit in the last six, eight weeks at this point. You know, the question is, did they dig themselves in too big of a hole? I don't think so. But there's no question they're going to have to play better you know, in these last 70-whatever games than they did in the first 90. So they got 72 games left, I believe, by my math. What do you think? they got to win probably 45 of those to get into a wild card or something like that? Yeah, it's probably going to take 86, 87 wins, which, you know, your math is probably better than mine. But, you know, that's playing six-something baseball uh, the rest of the way. Obviously, something they've not done at any point this season, but also something that does feel reasonable when you consider the talent on the roster. Um, so, again, you know, I mean, it's, it's it's not it's very easy for me to sit here in Philadelphia and say yeah they got to play better you know in the second half of the season to go out there and do it is what's going to matter you know it, it also feels like you know they're, they they could be one 
bad break, one bad injury away from a back-breaking kind of thing if it takes place between now and the trade deadline. You know, that would be my biggest fear or concern is that, you know, the buy-sell conversation perhaps does get a little bit more clarity if there was a bad injury between now and August 1st, um, where maybe it, it turns into a thing where, like, you know what, let's just kind of reset as best we can for next year. But obviously that's not anything that anybody can predict. Two guys that have been mentioned if they do sell, Jesse, um, a Hater and Juan Soto. Think those two guys are still around at the end of the year? I mean, it, it depends on all that and what goes on. You know, I, I would actually put Hader and Snell as the most likely okay. because they're both impending free agents. Soto is still under contract for next year. Um, they gave up an awful lot to yeah. get him at last year's deadline. So, you know, they're they're trying to win this year. They're trying to win next year. They're trying to win the year after that and after that and after that. But I think you got to take advantage of having a talent like Juan Soto on your team for the entirety. Now, if somebody makes you an offer you can't refuse – all right, I guess you listen, but I, I would have a hard time imagining that being the case. Um, but, you know, look, again, to the gray area thing, I, I think there might be a world in which, you know, you maybe do trade a hater or a Snell, but you still go for it this season. You know, if you think you can get some pieces back that can help you in the immediate and near term, you know, it's probably a worthwhile conversation to have. Um, but I think it's also as likely that they go out and they trade for, I don't know, Cody Bellinger or somebody like that to try and, you know, add where they've had an offensive deficiency. Maybe try and find a catcher that can hit a little bit. Um, you know, so it's uh, it's going to be a heck of an interesting couple of weeks here, that's for sure. You know, I, I found it interesting, and I read between the lines, but uh, when I think Kershaw and Betts, Dodger uh, Dodger rivals were saying, no, watch out for the Padres. No, I think they went the right way with with spending the money they did. Uh, Freeman said the same thing. It was kind of interesting to, to, to hear them say that. You know kind of why they were, because they want the players to make the most they can, but I just found that funny. Yeah, they're, they're good members of the union. And yeah. uh, remember, this is a brotherhood in which everybody has a significant financial stake. So um, you get why they're saying that. Um, you know, if, if, if those two teams end up uh, meeting up again in October and the Padres are able to beat the Dodgers, maybe those guys will be feeling a little bit differently on the inside. But yes, uh, you know, they are, they are union members and that's how that works. And lastly, Jesse, you gotta tip your cap to the Padre faithful. They continue to show up game after game at Petco. It's, uh, it's been really, really special. I mean, this is, look, we all know about the weather in San Diego and how beautiful it is and all that. And it's true. The ballpark, same thing. It's incredible. It's top class. It's everything you'd ever want. Um, but the fact that they have come out the way they have, even with the struggles that the team did have earlier this year, there really has been no loss of faith in this team from the fan standpoint. Um, and the support that they have has just been remarkable. This is my 10th season with the Padres, and they've always drawn better than they should have, in my opinion. Like when they were bad and they weren't investing in the roster and it didn't look like there was much of a future you know, they would still draw better than the average team because, again, it's just part of the culture in San Diego is to go to the Padre game. It's a great summer outdoor activity. But I tell you what, you know, now that there is a team worth uh, investing in from a fan standpoint, basically every game is sold out. I mean, it's just absolutely remarkable. They're going to end up averaging probably close to 40,000 fans a game. And it's just been a, a party every single night. Squeeze one more in here because you're a busy guy and I don't get you that often. How much can a Bob Melvin help this team in the last half? Yeah, he's he's a steady hand on the tiller. And I think when things are wobbling, you know, that's what you want out of your leadership. Somebody who's not going to freak out. And, and the reality is, where I think as concerned as some people on the outside might have been and as alarmist as they might have been over the last couple of months when things weren't going well, it wouldn't have done the team any good 
to behave that way or to think that way. And I think, you know, Bob was able to keep everybody sort of, uh, you know, on, on an even keel as they navigated those waters. And now that they've maybe come out the other side of it, I think we'll be looking back and saying, boy, that was a critical part of any success they're going to have this year. Jesse, have a good call. Good weekend in Philadelphia. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. That's the great radio voice of the San Diego Padres, Jesse Agler. We'll have more of the sports cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the sports cage on 620 CKRM. All right, give us a text, 936-6262. It's powered by the Capital Auto Group. Let us know where you're listening from today. We'll give you a shout-out. Are you on a tractor? Are you in Craven? If you can't have fun in Craven, Country Thunder, you're a loser. I'm a loser. Don't be a loser. Go hang out with the CKRM gang. They got, what do they got? In the gopher run, they have. Yes, right right off Main Street there, baby. And uh, they're playing cornhole and all that stuff. It's a fun place to be. There's no better place to be in Saskatchewan right now than at Country Thunder, Saskatchewan. Uh, Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's the first place tie tomorrow. It would be Mosaic Stadium. I said right now. Oh, you did. Right, yeah. right. Way to go. Got to read the fine print. Yep. Anyway, 936-6262. Anybody listening to this damn show? And we'll give you a shout out. Otherwise, I'll just go home. I got a busy day tomorrow. Leonard sends a text. Michael has evolved into a sports journalist and is willing to admit it when he makes a mistake. And yes, Trevor Harris, like you always say, the juice is worth the squeeze. Yes, I had called Trevor Harris on Twitter overrated. Uh, one of the guys on Twitter... <laughs> it's like five years ago. Yeah, one of the guys on Twitter <laughs> pointed that out. I did say that, but it's like a stock. I've so decided, wait a minute here. So wait a minute. Yeah, I've decided I, I've oil said, goes down, oil goes up. He's up now, and I'm, I, I've am i I've come to appreciate Trevor Harris. I need under... I, help me understand. So this yeah. guy, this guy went on your Twitter profile. Yeah. And he just... Went all the way back just, four years ago. He just gave it a good old scroll? Is that what you're talking I, I, about? I, honest to God, who first does, of all... Who first, does something like first that? Of all, first of all, commendable to act actually do that. Thank you for doing that. I'm thank, not commending that. Thank you for paying attention to at the real ballsy on Twitter. I'd appreciate a follow for those that haven't. So good on you. Good Ooh. on you. Good on you. But having said that, I have too much time in the real world to go back and look at other people's tweets that much. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not quite sure, but we got Tony. Okay, Zinger answered uh, Tony's call. Tony on the Western Pizza Hotline. Go ahead, Tone. In Rhode Island. Hey. To- Tony in Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. Tony in Rhode Island. I love it. Go ahead, Tony. Oh, just saying hello. I heard you talking. You wanted me to say hi to you, so I said hello. Yeah, hi, man. Awesome. By the way, um, be on the lookout on um, September 22nd in Ottawa. I'll be there. Are you coming? And I'll be out in Toronto when Toronto comes to Saskatchewan. Well, you make sure you stop on by and say hi, okay, uh, Tony? Well, you know I always do. I know. I got to see you know, all around the city of Regina. I always make my way around. Awesome, man. Thanks very much, Tony, for listening to the show. Hey, Appreciate hey, it. Hey, Tony, you're coming yeah, we'll to the... Yeah, we'll in Saskatchewan. Yeah, you're coming to the Argo game in Regina, right? Yeah, the 20... Yeah. Uh, the... 21st. Do you but make I'm going a, to the game in Ottawa also. Okay, Tony, before I let you go, do you make a pilgrimage every year to Regina? Since 1990. Wow. Yeah, talk to uh, talk to um, Carol over at the ticket office over at the uh, stadium. She'll tell you who I am. Okay, You've to- met me before anyway. Yeah, no, I met you before. Just hold on a second, Tony. Give me a second and forgive me if I'm wrong, okay? Forgive me if I'm wrong. I, I meet a lot of people. 
You are sight impaired. Am I not? Am I not mistaken? Exactly. So help me. I'm not trying to be ignorant here. What? What what do you? What? What do you? What do you possibly? What do you get about? What do you get out of going to Ottawa and spending your hard-earned money, or coming to Saskatchewan? Oh, I, I just—I've um, never been to Red Black games. I've been to when the um, Rough uh, Saskatchewan played in the Renegades and the Ottawa Rough Riders, and I mm-hmm. said, "Well, you may as well do go three for three. No, but I, but I mean, Tony, is you're totally blind, right? Like you can't see? No, no, I see about ten, fifteen percent. Oh, ten, fifteen percent. Okay, because I was like, why would he come to Mosaic State? So do you get a do you get a, a seat close to the field for the game? Well, actually, you know, wait, you know, 33 years ago, my eyesight was a lot better. I would yeah. go to the game and more enjoyable. Now it's more for the experience and just, yeah. you know, when I come to your city, I go to the casino, my little Korean princess, the hostess over there at the rail car, <laughs> you know, my little friend there, and my little friend there over at the airport, uh, Rocky Rachel, Air Canada, the customer service lady, plus all the girls there, Carol and Gloria that work for the riders and Gail and, I mean, Carol and Jennifer yeah. that work over for the riders over there at the stadium. And a few other visits around the city, um, over at Fourth and Albert. I stay at that little hotel there. I used to stay at Quality over at the corner of Vic and Broad, um, and then the pizza place over there on the corner, um, diagonally across from the Quality Hotel. Okay, uh, I forget the name of it. Okay, so well, it better be a Western Pizza because that's our sponsor. Oh, we'll s- I've been there before too. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I've been all around. You name the places. Oh, you know, it's the real Fud Rockers over there in the East End. Oh, oh yeah, there. Man, you were like a two. You were. We we are uh, la- we launch a new tourism Regina thing. Maybe you could be our voice or our, our spokesperson here in the city. I'll tell you what, you're listing all these girls. I'm like, is this Ric Flair or Tony from Rhode Island? Woo! You know, Rose over at Tourism Saskatchewan also. She knows who I am. Wow, unbelievable. It's a ladies' man. Yeah. He's French, too. Je parle français. Hey, uh, Tony, do you listen to our broadcast back home? Yeah, I listen all right. I call in on almost every game. You, guys, mm-hmm. you haven't said hi to me during a game lately. Well, I will on uh, Tony, Saturday, okay? Tony calls me every single game. Okay, Tony, you be listening during the broadcast, okay? Oh, I always do. I'll be listening in. Okay, thanks, man. Take care. Thanks, Tony. Take care. Awesome. Okay, so, uh, yeah, Texas, let us know where you're listening from. It, it, Tony took the time to call in from Rhode Island. He knows Rose and Gail, his little Korean princess, he said. I don't know the name. <laughs> Over there at the rail cart, the casino. <laughs> Unreal, man. I'd love to have a life like that. But back to the guy on Twitter. He literally, he should be commended for taking the time, and I appreciate it at the Real Ballsy. Once again, follow me. But... Do something more productive with your time. Yeah. Anyway, hey, this guy right here. At the end of the week, he's already answered all the questions. And you never know, maybe, maybe uh, he'll say something that he hasn't said before, nice and juicy for the out-of-town media. So we always get this. It's Coach Dickinson's media conference. Yeah, it's a big game early in the season, Mark, and I think our guys know it. I know the coach for Calgary, I'm sure, has been emphasizing it to his guys as well. Um, We... Just so you know, we we try to really focus hard on improving each week and just playing better each week. But our guys know that if they can win this game, we got a leg up on Calgary for sure. There's been a different vibe than at this point last season when it was such an Eastern-heavy schedule to start off? Mm, Last year seems like so far away, Rob. It's hard for me to compare. It's just a different group. Um, and, and there's a different energy in the locker room. I wouldn't say – I think it's it's good. I really do. Um, and I just think the guys are, are really – there's, I think, a little more of a, 
a fun atmosphere this year with the group. Uh, maybe a little less pressure, being that we're not in the, hosting the Grey Cup. I don't know. But um, it's a good vibe. The guys enjoy coming to work. We have to shoo them out of the building. They stay longer than they should. So, Craig, can you talk about Jeremy Clark and his kind of attitude? A starter gets put back on the PR because yep. he's passed, now starting again. Yeah, and a lot of that was just ratio related. We just had to go with three on defense, and it just was a ratio thing. And he, he was told that, and we explained that to him. He's been good. He's come to work every day and, and worked on his craft and gotten better. And I'm, I'm glad we can dress him. I'm happy we can go back and, and get him back on the field. What's that like as a coach to kind of deal with, like, telling a guy yeah. started, yep. not this week, ratio stuff? It's tough, you know, because they don't, they don't understand it quite as well as, as you wish sometimes. Um, so it's, hard, it's a hard pill to swallow. So we really try between J.O. and I and Kyle, we really try to explain here's, here's how the ratio works. It changes from week to week, and uh, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, that you've played poorly. It just may mean that you can't play because we've got to switch the ratio and we've got to do what we've got to do that way. So uh, he's, he's been a total pro. He's had, he's had a great week of practice. He's had a good three weeks of practice since we, we sat him, and I think he'll have a good game. It's, uh, smoke might be a bit of an issue tomorrow still. Does that change how you call the game at all or affect anything or not? No. I mean, we certainly hope the smoke blows away and it's a good night. I, I've heard it's supposed to be good in the evening tonight and it's supposed to be uh, relatively good tomorrow. So um, it different different than like a thunderstorm or a big rain. You know, I just think if the game it can be played, that we'll play it and we'll call it the way we always do. So three close games you've won this year. Is there any one thing that you can maybe put your finger on to say that's why we flipped the switch and we seem comfortable in those environments? Veteran leadership. I think that's the key. We've got veterans on both sides of the ball where when it gets late, they don't, they don't panic. And uh, they understand how the clock works. They understand situational football. And we work really hard on situational football. Um, and we've made made plays when we needed to. Now the focus is let's play better the whole game so we don't have to, um, you know, turn it on at the end. That's what we're trying to do. With what Jamal did last game against the, the Stamps, does that take away the element of surprise in the run game heading into this game? Maybe. You know, they're going to focus on them. I, you know, and, and their, their coaches know that running the football is a big part of what we do. So whether it's Jamal, Frankie, uh, Thomas Bertrand, I mean, we're going to try to run the football and try to move the chains that way. So uh, I think Jamal's uh, a known commodity, Taylor. I don't think – I think everybody knows he's a good football player, so I don't know if necessarily – uh, we'll surprise them with that, but we want they know that he's going to get the ball and hopefully run it well. And in turn, that opens up the passing game, right? Yep, when they, when that's the idea. Yeah, run the ball well, and and teams got to bring a few more guys to the party, and when they do that, their secondary is a little light. You go ahead. All right. Calgary's a the most uh, uh, big plays in terms of special teams. Does that matchup kind of have you licking your chops this week? Possibly, but they're really good. If you watch the film, I mean, their punt team, I think they're leading the league in net punt. They got they got some dudes on that punt team. So and they got a great punter. So our guy, our challenge with our guys every week is is win your individual matchup, uh, play better this week than you did the week before, and with the idea that if we do the little things right, hopefully a big play hits. But I know Mario is chomping at the bit. He feels like he's close to getting one. What do you expect from Calgary this week? Because we already talked about playoff implications here yeah they'll come out firing i i know those guys well and and they have a lot of pride and 
they've had success here. We haven't played them as well here as we have on the road. So they're going to come out firing, and I think we're going to get their best shot. Hopefully we can, you know, we can withstand it early and, and gain some momentum, hopefully wear them down late. But I, I expect a really good game. I think it'd be an outstanding game to come to the ballpark, too. We hope we get a lot of fans, and I think it's going to be a barn burner. That's right. Uh, that's Coach Craig Dickinson. Five o'clock kickoff. Still a go. Uh, the air quality not good today. Supposed to improve tomorrow, especially tomorrow night or later in the afternoon. This is Jeff listening in Salt Coats driving a tractor, cutting some hay. Go Riders, four and one baby. Uh, Tom says he damn rights he's listening. Tom and Davidson, the halfway town, home of Murad El Katib, a friend of mine, and Brandon. Hey, guys, it's funny how things and opinions do change. I always loved Cody and stuck up for him, even when you and others called him out. And I still like him, but I can admit you were right, and now I'm thankful we have Trevor. He's a great quarterback. Hope he can lead us to the cup. Go Riders. 936-6262, our text line powered by the Capital Auto Group. Show is brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for almost 70 years. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome to the show. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we really do appreciate it. And uh, you can get us on the airwave, 620 CKRM AM dial. You can get us anywhere. You can't say we're out of range now, even though our... Signal goes to a lot of places because we're available on the CKRM app, 620 CKRM app. You can go to our website. We've got lots of great stuff on there. And uh, something in the pipe as it relates to ag coming up here. Very exciting announcement that we'll be doing here soon. I just saw it in an internal email. That's all I can say. But uh, we are your ag station. We're your rider station. We're your CFL station. Um, uh, does that mean he's RVing? I don't know. This is an anonymous texter. Please leave your name. RVG Elbow. Listening in so, Elbow. So, so, is that, so is that a is that his oh. name? Or is he RVing? Wait a minute here. I see the name Colson. Yeah. Listening this week and next. Colson Aunt and Uncle. That makes no sense. Uh. So we have an operator named Colson. Uh. He's your backup. So is it Colson's Aunt and uncle listening to us? Maybe. In elbow? RVing? Let's just assume it is. Text a better text than that. Give us your name so we can address you. We want to be polite to address you. 936-6262. Because if you're not listening, I can go home. I'd, I'd rather go home. Well, I like talking to you, but I'd rather go home and get ready for the game. I am stoked for the game. Are you out in Craven on the campground site? Or going in line getting in? That's always the thing. I'd be on a in my Friday. trailer. It's too smoky to be out there yeah. right now. Huh? Anyway, a nine three six sixty two sixty two. Our text line powered by the Capital Auto Group. Yeah, whatever. I, they're so drunk and high out there, they don't care about oh, smoke. Yes. There's a lot of smoke. It's the smoke from your. You can't bong. handle this smoke, baby. Smoke from your bong, and don't tell me you're not bonging it out there. Willie Nelson's the ultimate bonger, man. Anyway, Johnny Cash, he loved the stuff. Yeah, he liked the stuff, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he liked the stuff. My favorite country music singer of all time. Yeah, I, I, I love... Conway Twitty, not Johnny Cash. Conway Twitty is the best friend a song ever had. The best country music group of all time is... Alabama! Hi- Alabama. No. The Highwaymen. The Highwaymen had Willie Nelson, yeah. Waylon Jennings, yeah. Chris Christopherson, mm-hmm. and Johnny Cash. 
I don't think it gets any better than that. Well, talent-wise, yes, but the greatest country. I was a highway man. The greatest country music group of all time. Thousand miles, I'm something like that. The greatest country music group of all time, without a doubt, is Alabama. I like the Mavericks. Of course you do. I don't dislike them either. I you like can't the compare the Mavericks. Oh, what a thrill. Hey, let's revisit a couple of things here, okay? Let's, right. let's not embarrass ourselves trying to be these experts in country music. <laughs> we're experts in sports, and you know it. So we were talking about famous number 11s in sports at quarterback, right? Because how did that come up again? Who's number 11 that we were talking about? Oh, Kevin Mason jersey. Oh, yeah. That was your first jersey you had, because you're joking that I like the Riders when they had crappy quarterbacks. So... We've since put our brains together. Quarterback jerseys. Number 11, Drew Bledsoe. Number 11 was a Danny White of the Dallas Cowboys. Number 11 was Dante Culpepper. Uh, Phil, uh, Phil Ma- Sims. Mark Rip and Phil Sims. Top of our heads. 11's not a Carson pop- Wentz. <laughs> I said good quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. He was good for one year. Anyway, um, that's one of the things we were talking about. We were also mentioning that... The Elks are so bad, they reminded us of the 79-80 Rough Riders. I said that. You said it reminds you of the 97 Tiger Cats. 2003. 2003, and I said 97 Tiger Cats. When 2003 was worse. They had one win. I think John Gregory was the coach of the 97 Tiger Cats before he was fired. Ron Linecaster comes and turns the team around. They go to the Grey Cup, lose in Winnipeg, then win in BC against the same Stampeders they lost to the year before at the Dome Stadium in Vancouver in the 1999 Grey Cup. But anyway, I digress. Those two wins in 1997 goes back to my point where Bomber fans forget how crappy they were for all those years. Their only two wins by the Tiger Cats in 1997 were against the... Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, and in 2003, that terrible year, when Hamilton got their only win... That was against us. The Riders. (laughs) That's what Bomber fans are like. Yeah, well... Check this out. Yeah, exactly. 2003. I remember that game. It was an overtime game. It was an overtime game. Okay, so um, I, I stumbled across this because my son and his friend, Cole, who's from Chicago and a teammate of Ethan's, Ethan's got his oh, team. He's probably a Bears fan. No, or he's got, uh, probably. But he's got his team turned on to the show, like his buddies. His close friends, and he's got more and more of his teammates, not just because some of their players have gone on to play in the CFL, like Mason Bennett, Brady Oliver, and such, but he's got his guys watching the CFL, and they love the league. That's what I'm talking about. So that's good. Ethan's doing his part. He's an ambassador. Anyway, Ethan gave me a list he saw on Twitter of the toughest, somebody brought up the toughest positions to play in pro sports. Now... It was American skewed, so I am going to add a little Canadian flavor to it. Here we go. Here, in my opinion, Ballsy's top 10 hardest positions in sports. Number one, it's a tie for different reasons. We can go through it, but I won't. CFL-NFL quarterback is the toughest position to play in pro sports. CFL, you could consider tougher for some reasons. NFL, for other reasons, okay? So that's number one. Number two, Sam linebacker in the CFL. You got to play in the box, plus you have to have the athleticism of a defensive back. You don't believe me? Watch Derek Moncrief. See what a great athlete that guy is. Unbelievable. He's got to come in and tackle, plus he's got to cover back in the day the Burnhams, the the, uh, Nick Dembskis, all those kind of great slot back. So uh, that's my second hardest position to play in all of professional sports. Number three, National Hockey League goaltender. 
I know you got a lot of equipment, but you're facing 100 mile an hour shots. Guys like McDavid coming down can make you look silly. Number four, CFL halfback, especially the boundary halfback. Usually when they first come here, these are American athletes that are watching the waggle for the first time. The guys get a running start. They got a two-way go. They're covering on a tarmac, especially when you get down to the goal line zinger. Like in the NFL, you got hardly any end zone. There you still have another 20 yards. So, yes, number four, CFL halfback. Number five, in my opinion, toughest position to play in pro sports, NFL corner. You got to be... You got to be in a lot of cases long and lanky. You got to be able to run with those guys, or you're fast and a little undersized. You got to have a great vertical to go up against the big, tall receivers like D. Hop, and there's T. Higgins, and there's um, oh, what's his name? The other great receiver on um, Jamarcus uh, on the Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, sorry, Jamar Chase or Tyree Kill. So I got that at number five. Number six, a baseball catcher. You've got to direct the game. You've got to be a counselor for your pitcher. Your knees take a beating. You take a beating with bats or fall balls. Number six, a baseball catcher. Number seven, an MMA fighter for obvious reasons. Number eight, a boxer for once again obvious reasons. Individual sport, you got nobody to blame. You're in center ring. You got to have conditioning, all that type of stuff. Toughness, all that stuff. Golfer, you'll say, you try walking a course when it's 44 degrees Celsius. Money on the line. I can't even hit off a tee box. And I know I'm not a great golfer. I can't hit off a tee box when three other guys are watching me. How about those narrow fairways when everybody's standing watching you and they're lined for like hundreds, two hundreds of yards watching you. So I got a golfer in the top ten. And at number ten, I've got a tie between a soccer goalie and a soccer midfielder. Got to be athletic to run up and down the field, make plays. And a goalie, I mean, come on, you're trying to block that big of a net. Give me a break. Uh, At number 11, I've got an NBA power forward. Got to be athletic, running, jumping, all that stuff. I think of a LeBron James type. And number 12, laugh if you will, a pro wrestler. You got to, after watching it live here at AEW, you got to be physical you got to be, the cardio is unbelievable. You got to be a great actor, uh, all that type of stuff, man. I know it's sports entertainment, but they still take bumps. So they're in there for me. Now, you've heard my 12. What do you think? You well, got a top three. I have a top three in my head. And for me, man, number, it's like a 1A, one, one 1B one between a pro football quarterback is number one. Mm-hmm. And 1B for me is either a mixed martial artist or a boxer because okay. let's be honest man like you got to be cut from a different cloth to to be a, a UFC or a, or a or a boxer like are you kidding me all the all the training you you got to be willing to take all those beatings yeah oh Speaking of toughest, like there's nobody tougher on the planet than these UFC. Well, I don't mean I don't mean no, tough I know, in the sense I, of tough. I know, but I know, but like yeah, but you got to be different idiot. You got to be an idiot to play football too. You got something's got to be loose. You got to have a screw loose. And that includes like, my kid. You got to have a loose. Like he's smart, but you got to be a little bit. You got to be wacky to play any aggressive sport. That's like that. true. And what do you got for your third one? Uh, my oh, third one that was floating in my head you had was boxer. Yeah, so. So those are my top two, and then uh, I I just think not only 
the physical part, but being a, a goaltender in hockey, just like the the mental, the yeah. mental, mental anguish grind. that uh, you got to go through. You know, and you're like the last the, line the of defense. Yeah, and you're the last line of defense. I played goalie in one game, and I think like I don't remember what year, but I, like I didn't sleep for days I before because I, I was like, yeah. So that's absolutely that's why We're initiation gonna... hockey ruined me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not the only thing. Yeah. We're gonna take a break and be back with more, including our sports cage rewind here on the sports cage on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the sports cage on 620 CKRM. I said it earlier in the show, given what he's working with now, and it's no disrespect to the to the players on the team because I respect all of them. They're professional athletes, but with regards to the injuries on the offensive line and the injuries in the receiving core and the revolving door, I think Trevor Harris is the best quarterback in the CFL given what he's got. If you ask me, and I love Zach Kalaros, great story, been to the Great Cup three times in a row. But if you ask me right now today, Zach Kalaros or Trevor Harris has to quarterback the Riders tomorrow. It's Trevor Harris. I think Trevor, we saw what Zach Kalaros had when the BC Lions had some speed on the outside. Their offensive line was a turnstile. He got, he was running around. They lost 30 to six. Yeah, it could be a one off. They've rebounded their four and one, but I'm sticking by it. I take Trevor Harris right now. And yes, I did say he was overrated back in 2019, but I stand corrected. I love his professionalism, his leadership on and off the field. And can you imagine Edmonton, the Edmonton football team didn't want him anymore? <laughs> Ottawa, Ottawa didn't want him anymore. I'm sure happy we got this guy. It's it's been mentioned, but uh, again, stuff like that is if it takes that for you to motivate yourself to play in a professional football game, then then shame on you. But uh, so I've just been more focused on the process, just grinding through the week and doing our best to get prepared. What do you expect from Calgary this week after you guys went into McMahon and won there? Nothing different in terms of their their intensity or anything like that because they're a great football team. I, I mean, one and three does not depict who they are. They're well coached. They're very sound. Uh, they have good football players. I really like their linebacking core. I've always been a fan of Mike Alway and Cam Judge. I thought they've always done a great job, and I think they do a good job in the defensive backfield. And their defense, their defensive line doesn't get a lot of notoriety in terms of names, but they sure do wreak some havoc. And so. They've got our full attention, um, but I think we've had a really good week of practice. I feel like we've made some strides, a lot of strides this week, and uh, ready to go tee it up tomorrow. Trevor, you're sweeping out uh, a lot of very close games. What's working to allow you to do that? Because the margins have been pretty thin, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where if you can't win tight games in this league, every team's going to play in tight games in this league, and maybe just some of ours are now. And it's a lot of times what makes or breaks a season is if teams can win those tight games because I think it's something that's learned. I think it's a belief thing. And what we can take away is that we're not the team that we're going to be right now, not even close. But the fact that we're able to do that while we're really banged up and beat up, you know, with a lot of uh, projected starters out, the fact that we're able to kind of win those games even when we're not at full strength uh, has really instilled a lot of belief in the guys in this locker room. And so uh, I think it's done a lot of good things for us. But it hasn't like made us satisfied in terms of like you know a crocodile getting its meal and it's now it's good and we're fine. Uh, it's made us more hungry because we're not a team that's looking at it and saying like oh we're three and one look at us we're we're saying like we need to be way better to accomplish what we want to accomplish. How much does the veteran leadership play a role in that? I think it's I think it has a lot to do with character of guys and and relationships. To me, I think it's you know 
competence, character, connection. You'll hear me talk about that a lot. And I think it's a lot of, lot to do with connection in the locker room. Uh, when guys care about one another, I think it's total buy-in. And uh, yeah, I think that's really what it's about is, you know, I think we have a good player-led group and the players love each other. And I think uh, we're doing a good job of sticking together. Well, you've been averaging uh, one first down a game using your feet. Is that a realistic goal? You know, to move the chains once a game using your feet? Mm, nah, I think it should be more like three. What uh, Jamal did uh, along the ground last game against these guys, does that take away the element of surprise? And like they were obviously going to expect a good ground game. In terms of the element of surprise? Of, of the run game this week. Oh, that should never be a surprise. <laughs> um, tackle football when you run the football. Um, you know, that should be, We everybody knows that's a hallmark of all the great teams. You know, you look last year, Toronto, when they got hot late, they were able to run the football with Andrew and uh, AJ um, the years past. Andrew Harris, once again in Winnipeg. Winnipeg's been great. Brady, Brady Oliveira, um, you know the one of or the uh, Calgary teams in the past with uh, Cornish, and you know Kadeem. They've they've always had great backs. You know those are the teams that have kind of been the gooder. The I guess the teams that have been you know always in it uh, since I've been in the league. And so uh, for us to to be the team that we want to be, we've got to be able to run the football, and we need to let our offensive line come downhill, be physical and uh, build our offense from there and then be able to kind of stretch the field horizontally and then shoot it over their head and be able to get an hard drop that game from there. Trevor, you could hit 30,000 career yards tomorrow night. How significant would hey, that be? Z told me that, actually. Um, she said I was like 240, 231 away. That means I'm getting old. <laughs> I don't take any stock in that stuff. That's stuff after I'm done playing or maybe after it happens, you know, I can look back and be like, sheesh. Uh, never in a million years would I thought that uh, that I could do that. You know, it's just all praise, glory, and honor to, to Jesus for me, and you know the fact that I've got to live a dream that you know every child does. You know that loves football growing up. That I get to wake up and play football and call it my job. You know, it gives me the chills saying that, and just just really thankful that I've gotten to do this for this long. And uh, I'll never take one single day for granted. And uh, I'm always gonna work my tail off every single day. Uh, and my goals have never been to throw for X amount of yards. It's always been to lift up my teammates, and that's really what my where my mindset is to make sure I, you know, lead these guys as best I can, and uh, just let every all the chips fall where they may. It felt pretty cool when you consider you didn't start a game in this league until you were 28. <clears throat> a lot of quarterbacks are yeah. doing it when they're 22, 23, and have such a head start mm. on getting to 30. Yeah, and maybe uh, maybe that delay will help me play till later, but um. To me, it's just kind of one year at a time, assess at the end of the year if I want to continue playing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, I've been very, very fortunate to to have some good coaches and, and be able to grow along the way. You know, mentor of mine to this day, Scott Milanovic, staying very uh, close contact with him. And um, really a lot of the things and knowledge that I've grown and learned from this game has been from him and even bouncing things off of him in off seasons and us chatting a lot. and. Uh, going to visit him, you know, watch some games that he's coached in and just talking ball with him and whatnot. And so uh, guys like him, Jason Moss, um, Coach Kelly, <clears throat> guys I've learned, just gotten the opportunity to learn and uh, be under Kahari Jones and AC. And uh, those kind of guys have just been a lot of fun to learn from and grow with. You got the pass the first year, 30,000. <clears throat> first pass? I don't know. I know who caught my first touchdown, Darvin Adams. Uh, yeah, threw Darvin Adams a double move up the right sideline on a uh, what we called Green Bay, so it was a hitch and go. 
up the right side and just threw it over his outside shoulder and he slid on his right hip and caught it and he kept the ball unfortunately because it was his first touchdown as well so um but first completion wow i'd have to i know it's probably in garbage time my rookie year um but i couldn't tell you who caught it does the fact that this week that there aren't changes to the receiver group heading into this game does that help this offense kind of build some consistency yeah, that's that's the uh, been the one thing this year. We I think this might be our fourth O line in five games and fourth receiving core in four game in five games. And so uh, continuity always is always good. But I think it's a testament to to Jo uh, Craig Reynolds and um, and Kyle what they've done with the depth of this team and the fact that we even at scraping the barrel we have advantages in personnel and uh, we have guys that fit what we do and they do a great job out there. And you know I love our I love our wide receiver core and. Um, you know, their job is to make it difficult decisions when everybody's back and healthy. And so, uh, you know, even though that, you know, we've had to scrape the barrel a little bit, we've, we've always been at a great, in a great spot and, uh, our offensive line is doing a great job. They're continuing to grow every week. And, um, I'm just fortunate to be one cog in the engine and I'll just keep doing my part as best I can. Yeah, whatever. You're the big cog in the engine. You're the reason why the Rough Riders, a good reason why the Rough Riders are three and one with a chance to go to four and one and win a series for the second straight time against a Western Division opponent. Second straight week, I should say. When we come back, we'll catch up with Glenn Souter and we're going to, uh, do our Sports Cage Rewind with an NFL reporter we talked to earlier this week. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. With the sports ticker, it's 5.33 inside the sports cage. It's the first day back after the Major League Baseball All-Star break, and the Toronto Blue Jays are taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks right now at the Rogers Center. Jose Barrios on the mound for the Bluebirds. And right now, top of two, no score. The Diamondbacks have a runner on first base, two outs. Uh, The Toronto Blue Jays trying to get off to a good start here at the beginning of the unofficial second half of the season. Showcasing the boys of summer. Time for another edition of the Sports Cage Regina Red Sox Report on 620 CKRM. The Regina Red Sox Report. Brought to you by our friends at the Canadian Brew House. All the sports you can handle under one roof. Major League Baseball, CFL football being the prime watching sports right now. They got a great menu and, of course, all the drink specials, too, including a dollar off of tankers. While the Regina Red Sox are on their all-star break and they're 17 and 21, hoping to turn around their fortunes when they come back to play Brooks. In Brooks on Sunday, the All-Star Game will be held at the Okotoks Seaman Stadium. Red Sox, like I said, trying to turn their fortunes around, and it starts on the mound where they've kind of had an up-and-down season there. Good luck to the boys in the second half. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter, he runs it out of Time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. Brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. I've been looking forward to this night for a while. I get to go and break some bread with my friend Glenn Suter where we can just talk and BS around the table. My buddy Paul's coming with us. But suits, I cut myself shaving, and it's still bleeding. 
It's you're playing hurt. You're <laughs> Yeah, but it's not like listen, we're not going to the, we're not going to a convenience store for a hot dog on a rotisserie. Like I don't want to go with a like I hope I hope this thing stops bleeding by the time I come over there. Oh, you're good. You're all good, man. Don't worry. Just hey, wrap it up. Put a few stitches in it. We're yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you who's not good. The Edmonton Elks. But but here's the thing that's very interesting, Glenn. I know they're 0-6. I know they haven't won in 20 games on home turf, with uh, which is a dubious record now tied with the St. Louis Browns of MLB. But Suits... They averaged 9.9 yards a play on first down and still got mollywhopped by the Tiger Cats. It's crazy. They're not that far away. No, no, they're not. I, and I've been saying that all year. And I, you know, I think when, when you're in a funk, when you're, when you're, you know, when self-doubt is winning and that's what happens, you know, you make one bad play or one bad decision and self-doubt jumps in and you think, Oh, Oh, and it's not even a conscious thought. I'm, I'm making it sound like guys look at each other and go, oh, boy, here we go again. And that's not what I mean. It's just it's back there, and you have to fight it. And you have to fight it mentally. And so when, you know, when that ball was dropped by French uh, on the goal line when they had a chance to take a 10 nothing lead early in the game, and he dropped one right on the goal line, hit him right in the chest. And Cornelius had broken a tackle to get outside. He threw a real nice ball. And he was on the goal line and dropped it. They settled for a field goal at 6 nothing. Hamilton goes down and scores. They go up 7-6. Okay, fast forward three or four more series just before the end of the half. And Cornelius throws a ball that's well behind Dunbar. He reaches back. It tips off his hand. Interception on the five-yard line going in. That was the chance in those two plays alone before the half to go up 17-7. And they missed both those opportunities. So, you know, again, when you when you have that mistake and you throw a pick and you see the demeanor, you see the, and this is the same by the way in every league and every sport. So, this is not a CFL thing if anyone out there listening thinks, "Oh yeah, this is what happens." And no, no. This is a this is a human nature thing. And your and your body language drops, and then the next mistake happens, and it's against you again because you can't get out of that funk. Okay, these are all professional athletes. I've never been a quarterback. I think it's the toughest position to play in North American professional sports. I just said it. And actually, you could make a case that the CFL quarterback is the toughest. You could make a case for the NFL, but they're equally tough, in my opinion, just in a different way. Mm-hmm. So... Um, how do I put this and still be respectful? I don't remember our game since I've been watching uh, since 1978 that I can remember, and I wasn't an expert back then. I was only six. But I can't remember since I've been actually knowing what's going on in the game of football probably since the mid-'80s where I can remember the quarterbacking position being in this quote-unquote state. Do you agree? And what do you think going forward here? Well, I, I think the state is um, it's it's sort of a developmental moment in time. It's 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 a cycle in the quarterback position where you know Zach Kalaris, Vernon Adams, Bo Levi Mitchell, who by the way I, I'm not sure we should completely rule out as 
finished and done and no good anymore. When he played in his only two games this season with a brand-new team, he played against the Toronto defense and the Bomber defense, and then he got hurt. So let, let's let's wait on Bo Levi Mitchell and whether or not he can come back, and Trevor Harris is definitely on that list too. Um, you know, when you, when you look at those quality quarterbacks, and guys that you can win with. And then you throw in Chad Kelly. And, you know, I'll even, and I know, you know, you've talked in different ways about Cody Fajardo, but I'll throw him in, in that he has taken a team to the Western final two years in a row, uh, a couple years back. So, you know, when you, when you look at that and then you see the injury to Mazzoli and then a whole bunch of young guys like Tommy Stevens, Shea Patterson, Trey Ford, Tyree Adams, all guys that haven't had enough time for us to even – attempt to evaluate them i would say that the quarterback cycle is in you know this is not the time in cfl football where we have dunnigan flutie ricky ray you know jeff garcia this this is not that time it's a different part of the cycle but the nfl is in the same position in a lot of ways i mean you take a look at at you know how many how many guys right now Davis, Davis Mills in Houston, Anthony Richardson with the Colts, Jimmy Garoppolo I put in that, Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ryder, all these guys that we go, I don't know, they're young, who knows, they're making mistakes, they're not that good. Um, you know, Mac Jones, I mean, even Dak Prescott in Dallas. I mean, there's, there's probably eight really good ones in the NFL. And so if you look at the percentage of their teams and the eight good ones, and you go, well, you know, there's a whole lot of them, 75% of them that – are either really young and we don't know or at the wrong end of their career and they're not looking like they can win a championship again. So, I, you know, I, I think you have to be, you, you have to be looking at it from a, you know, a sort of a professional uh, evaluation point of view where you know your limitations as far as, you know, am I qualified to rank and evaluate quarterbacks? I can give my opinion, Michael, but I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an analyst, and I'm not even, you know, totally qualified. If Mark Tressman is telling me that, you know, I don't know, Derek Carr is done, then that comes with more weight because Mark Tressman knows the quarterback position probably better than anybody. You know, so I, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is it's not a disaster. I heard that earlier. It's not a crisis. Um, it is nowhere near a crisis. It's in a cycle where there's some young guys, we've had some injuries, and there's still Trevor Harris, Zach Kolaris, Vernon Adams, Bully by Mitchell, Chad Kelly. Again, small sample size, but Chad Kelly looks really good. You know, Matt Schultz was doing some good things. So, I don't know. I, I guess, you know, the Baltimore Ravens won the Super Bowl and, and had an average quarterback. No one says that was a crisis. No one says there's a crisis in the NFL right now. Yeah. And there's only about eight or ten good ones. That's a good point. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Good, good point. Hey, I do want to ask you this as it relates to quarterbacks with the two and a half minutes we've got left. I made this statement. I wonder okay. if you agree, disagree, what you think. If you ask me today, and I'm take me being the voice of the riders out of this, okay, because I like Zach Claros. I think he's the greatest comeback story in 30 years, okay? But if you ask me, um, Claros or Trevor Harris – has to win you a game for the Rough Riders with what the Rough Riders have on their roster, on offense, with injury. I'm taking Trevor Harris. 
I think Trevor Harris right now, and, and another way of putting it is this, I think Trevor Harris is the best quarterback in the CFL, or he's playing the best right now, given his circumstances. Because Zach Kalaros has had it, quote-unquote, pretty easy in Winnipeg. They've been pretty healthy for the most part. Trevor Harris has not been afforded that. Plus, he's had to learn a new offense while going through all this. Yeah, see, I, this is the type of debate that I love, and I, and I think we can all be part of you know, pick your favorite of the two and, and make an argument for one or the other. I, I'll take either one of them. And, and I'll say this about Trevor Harris, because, again, I, I was listening in earlier and heard that this is a bad future plan for the Riders. Trevor Harris is playing outstanding, and he could play to 40 and play at the highest level till, until he's 40 because he takes care of himself. And every year he goes into the offseason and he looks at new ways to improve. And we've talked about that before. I mean, he, he looked up Nathan Rourke's guy, you know. And so I'm with you on Trevor Harris. Trevor Harris is a star quarterback that he can win a championship with. End of sentence, really. And he's been there. He's been to the dance. And he got on a real icy field in Edmonton, and they didn't win that day. But that happens, and he is a quality championship, quality quarterback. So, uh, yeah. I, I, and And by the way, when you when you say if, if someone not you Michael but when someone says um, this is bad because the future of this team is not Trevor Harris, well in pro football the future is today. That's it, today and this season. That's what matters. That's what matters to the coaches and their jobs, the GMs and their jobs, and every single player on that field. So you can look ahead maybe one or two years, like you can look at this mm-hmm. year and your situation, then you look at next year, and that's about it. You start looking past that, um, you know, you're, it's, it's crazy because you might not be around. And one more thing, because I know we yeah. got to go. One yeah. more quick thing. Yeah. Honestly, and, and, you know, and honestly, three quarterbacks on the roster is a great thing. How the coaches use them can be, can you, you can talk about, but having three on the roster is a great thing. It's mandatory because that third guy is in the meetings with the quarterbacks. He's learning the systems and the CFL and the nuance within the practice structure. That is crucial. So anyone that would say, well, I'm not, I won't go there. I won't go there. <laughs> All right, Glenn. Uh, listen, well, uh, let's have a beverage and uh, continue this discussion off the air. How does that sound? I, I love it. I'll meet you there. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Glenn Suter joining okay. us on the Western Pizza Hotline for Quality Tire. Uh, check them out for uh, nine locations in Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Our Sports Cage Rewind sends us to the weekend here on 620 CKRM.